Tigers, dragons, and verbs wire up the big screen. Predator pluralizes in the worst good diehard. This week on 30-20-10. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to 30-20-10, the Leisure Time Network's weekly celebration of movies, television, video games, music, and more, celebrating 30, 20, and 10-year anniversaries. Yes, get it? 30-20-10. Hi, I'm one of your hosts, Chris Antista. Who else is with me? Despicable minion lover, Diana Goodman. <laughs> It's me, Sarah. <laughs> this is going to be a really exciting show because it's like, uh, I don't know, there's nothing like I personally think is really great to me, but it's undeniably great shit all yeah. every decade. Oh, um, I'm putting my foot down. The best movie of 2000 yeah. we're talking about. Ooh, yeah, I can't wait to hear what Diana says about that movie with subtitles. I don't know if I can watch that. Oh, so much reading. Uh, I I meant to watch it again for this, and I totally missed it because of mayhem I just described behind the scenes. Uh, bonus time is the place where you can hear about that crap. Patreon.com slash LazerTime. Uh, that's how we're supported, the entire LazerTime network, and that's why this show this week is executive produced by Justin Allen, a wonderful supporter of ours, but there are many others at Patreon.com slash LazerTime who make this show a reality, uh, compensate us for our time and effort, and we really do appreciate you guys. And you should have not only a new episode of Bonus Time, we're going to start the second trilogy of Sick of Star Wars, and we will have multiple brand new episodes of 302010 games coming at you very, very soon. Thank you very much. Why don't we get started? 302010, where we look thir- we look at the world 30, 20, and 10 years ago, recording this week from July 3rd through the 9th. So we'll be looking at the decades 1990, uh, 2000 and 2010 during that period. I don't know how I can still get confused during this intro. Uh, <laughs> let's start as we always do in 1990. Charleston is huge. Uh, in <laughs> 1990, July news. Um, wow, the Electronic found, uh, Frontier Foundation was formed after a series of sloppy raids by the Secret Service and FBI and computer nerds and Steve Jackson Games. Uh, Diana can probably explain that a little more, but I, I, I know that the Electronic uh, Frontier Foundation semi-recently saved podcasts from patent trolls. Mm-hmm. Yep. And- yep, they they do good work. Uh, Steve Jackson Games was like a, a cardboard strategy game mm-hmm. publisher who also published the Principia Discordia, which is like the only way I know them, which is like, you know, a nerd book passed around by nerds. But they were raided in 1990. Because they were looking for GURPS Cyberpunk, which is huh? a cyberpunk-themed huh? role-playing game. They wanted the master copy of that uh, and some computers and dozens of floppy disks because they thought one of their employees had done what used to be called freaking, which was, like, manipulating what? the phone systems. What the fuck? What? Or, or they're just major GURP fans. The world according to GURP. It's <laughs> uh, <laughs> unbelievable. Yeah. So it, it's just, I mean, it's the lowest. The, the idea of computer crimes that was sort of like, 
you did what? And he didn't even leave the house to <laughs> upload a thing to a thing somewhere? It's kind Whoa. of adorable. Yeah, we, we talked a little bit about that on Sick of Star Wars. I think for the second movie, it's like the first people very quickly and harshly prosecuted for stealing a movie mm-hmm. uh, came out of the second Star Wars. Yeah. Uh, Patreon.com slash Laser Time, where you hear that. But news of 1990, yeah. congratulations. Uh, also, I should mention oh. the Secret Service. They, they they had emails very early because it was a mm-hmm. private email server. And the Secret Service was, like, deleting them and didn't know that, oh, they're gone now? <laughs> because the Secret Service didn't have email yet. Oh, boy. <laughs> they had no idea how to deal with but it. But they're servers. <laughs> they're a service. They should know. Yeah, no, it's, it sounds like it was a cluster. Um, and, and also in the news, congratulations to West Germany, who defeats Argentina. <laughs> At the World Cup in Italy, uh, there literally won't be a West Germany team in two months. Yep, that's not fair. That means they get like an all Germany gets an all star league in like two months. Yeah, pretty much. They get the best out of two teams because they used to be two teams: East and West Germany. East Germany was okay. West Germany was great. And (laughs) like once they start German reunification, they're like, so we just put everybody together on one bus. (laughs) <laughs> oh man that's a bummer for like the third string on both teams you yeah know? exactly <laughs> oh, fuck. i guess i'll go back to go play for yugoslavia <laughs> <laughs> go play yeah. then the minors whatever they whatever that is in german i'll never forget <laughs> being locked in a cabin and, and overseeing a question in trivial pursuit that everyone said germany i just got to keep saying with a giant smile no 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 the answer was West Germany. West Germany. <laughs> <laughs> they were Googling it and like, no, it's fucking Germany. And like, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> I need you to be more specific. Berlin, no. no. They have to go back to the miners, which is actually mining at that point. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. With that topper, uh, moving into 1990 movies, I am ashamed of myself for not. I've seen reanimator now um a hundred percent more times than i saw it for my first 20 years of life i've seen Mm -hmm. it i've seen it like almost every year and love it dearly and will sing the praises of jeffrey combs and Stuart gordon all day but i've not seen any of the sequels including brighter reanimator uh that comes out this week well because it's not Stuart gordon oh it's not okay yeah it's directed by brian yuzna who Mm -hmm. produced the previous one but also tends to make just terrible terrible (laughs) movies (laughs) Just, oh man, just the worst. Well, so so bad. You know whose name I'm on record for saying makes terrible shit? Hmm? Uh, Hanna Barbera. Yeah. And they, but this week they are directing their third movie, and I love it. Uh, Mel Blanc, Gene Vander Pill, Don Messick, Patrick Zimmerman, Tiffany, Penny Singleton, and George O'Hanlon in Jetsons the movie. Twenty five years ago. They brought us a startling vision of the future. And now... Help! Jane, stop this crazy thing! They're back. All right! In their first feature-length motion picture. Congratulations! Universal Pictures presents... Jetsons, the movie. Right! Rated G. Mm, so, oh, dude, I hate the Flintstones and Scooby-Doo. I really do. I love the Jetsons and always have. Why? Uh, I love the, fu- the, the design the of design, the Jetsons. The futuristic stuff. 
I yeah. don't like the content at all because it's terrible. It's it's but it has the weirdest show release of any kind. It basically had two seasons, one in the '60s and one in the mid '80s. So a- around the time we were being shown Hanna Barbera shit, shoveled terrible, no other option Hanna Barbera shit into our faces as little kids in the er- in the early '80s. Uh, the Jetsons still looked cool enough that they made they they made a new season of like sixty episodes of the Jetsons in 1985. So the show got it was difficult as a kid. You sort of knew like this is a really old episode, but it has the same voice actors hmm. uh, and it has some of the same concepts. My, I love this sad fact. If you ever went on Universal Studios Fantastic World of Hanna Barbera ride. Have you been on that ride? Have we all yes. been on that ride? Nope. William, and, Hannah, and, and Joseph Arbera say ride, like... <laughs> ride is a very loose term. Bullshit. That is a great attraction. Nuh-uh. Nuh-uh. Attraction, it, not ride. Dude, that thing is great. Yes. Yes, it's a motion simulator, but it's awesome, and you can watch the whole thing right now. But in, in the intro, which you can't see as easily, uh, William, Hannah, and Joseph Arbera in real life say, uh, yeah, our next movie is The Jetsons. And you could ride that ride until 2002, 11 years after the movie they're talking about <laughs> came out. Uh, but this, I had never seen a Hanna-Barbera movie in my lifetime. Not animated, not live action. Uh, and I love the Jetsons. I love the space stuff. And they, you know, Disney crows a lot about how it started to use CG in its movies. Almost every exterior in this film, it's crude, but it works. It's wonderful space shots and like uh, like crude CG planets. I really dig it. And, and it, it's also marred with tragedy. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, because it, they reunited the entire voice cast, um, except with the exception of Elroy. Who was Elroy? I forget. He was he was dead. Um, mm-hmm. Is it Dawes Butler? I think it's Dawes Butler. Um, but then they. They recorded the original lines with Tiffany's, uh, with the uh, Judy Jetson's actress, and then like, fuck this, we need a boost. It's 1990. Let's get Tiffany to record the dialogue without telling the original voice actress. It just Aww. the movie comes out and like, you did what? It, why did I do? All- fuck you. Uh, this is not Roger Rabbit. It is this is Mel Blanc's final film. He did not. He was not able to complete all of his voice work. And George O'Hanlon, who I through. You know, Diana level nerdery I just discovered is also Joe McDokes from the man behind the eight ball live action cartoon series from the 1940s. I don't know. Oh. Totally out of line. Diana, I fucking love that thing. Look up how to quit smoking or how to join the mafia. They're crazy shorts <laughs> uh, about them from the man behind the eight ball who's constantly burdened. He, sometimes he fights the narrator. I think he gets shot by the narrator in one of these <laughs> live action cartoons. George O'Hanlon allegedly finished his dialogue recording and either had a stroke in the studio or on the ride home or in his home and died like immediately after died. He did not, this is not just his last movie. He may have died making it like, but did complete it. Wow. Um, And it's, it's a silly little story with an environmental bent, but, uh, you know, I'm just asking people to consider one of the things I always, uh, the things I champion, especially with things like Titan AE and chipmunk adventure, they're a little rough around the edges, but I really like animated movies that are of their era. And mm-hmm. this is an 80s, 90s animated film through and through. You can't say that about Beauty and the Beast or Aladdin. They're just kind of timeless, set in a different period. This is 
mm, this feels very of the period. It reminds me of my childhood. It, oh, it, it's a trapper keeper come to life of animation. <laughs> it's fucking it, it, like get high, yeah. get do some acid. This this you'll have plenty of fun with this if you have fond memories of the Jetsons. I, I yeah, I'm, it's. Uh, I mean, no, I don't think it's very good. It mm. looks. The animation's pretty good, especially it's better than the It is way animation. better than um, um, Hey There, It's Yogi Bear and <laughs> um, A Man Called Flintstone. They're two previous other movies, and this is like 20 years removed from those. Mm. And it looks, I think it looks phenomenal. It is like the best animation that isn't Tom and Jerry, William Hannon, and Joseph Barbera were ever associated with. Um, I, I give it a recommend if you're an animation fan. Even if you don't like the Jetsons or Hanna-Barbera, it is above board for whatever those people and those uh, this franchise is. Uh, it, but it is, yeah, it's, a, it's deliciously, deliciously turn of the decade, 80s, 90s. It's awesome. Yeah. 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 All right, I think I, I think I know where you, I think I know where your bread is buttered, Diana. No, no, <laughs> not here either. Not the next. Oh one. no! Okay, all right, little. Yeah. Uh, oh. oh, John Amos, William Sadler. I want to give a big tribute to, to him someday. Franco Nero, Reginald Vell Johnson, William Etherton, Bonnie Bedelia, and Bruce Willis in number one at the box office this week. Die Hard Two. Die Harder. Your wife's plane. They're going to run out of fuel in ninety minutes. L.A. cop John McLean is back. What are you going to do? Whatever I can. Because old habits die hard. We are just up to our neck in terrorists again, John. On July 4th, Die Harder. Bruce Willis, Die Hard 2, rated R. Dude, nobody could stop talking about the Die Harder adage. Like, it <laughs> was... Can't. I can't believe you forgot Dennis Franz and Fred Thompson. Oh, did get his ass out of here. <laughs> Former Senator Fred Dalton Thompson. <laughs> exactly. Something about that guy I just kind of like. I can't put Wait, my who is who is he? Hmm? Who is he in the movie? He was just that guy. The head of authority the, figure guy. Yeah, okay. he's the head of all the air traffic. He's a, he was a former senator? Yeah. Well, he became a senator later. Okay. I mean, he was like a lower level politician and then he became an actor and uh, he, then he became a senator. And what do you say he ran for president in maybe 2008? <laughs> briefly fuck? or 2000? Really briefly. Mm, yeah. Might have been 2004. No, it wouldn't have been 2004. Oh, God. If he was only doing yeah. it during social media where he could just use clips from this movie in this campaign video. Yeah. Get his ass out here, Osama bin Laden. <laughs> yeah, well, I remember they used to make fun of him on <laughs> Daily Show all the time. It was like, and the chair recognizes the senator from Die Hard 2. <laughs> <laughs> but Die, Die Hard 2, the, the weird, weird, weird saga of Die Hard. Um, mm. is, is Die, was Die Hard a Shane Black joint? It was. Uh, he, he, wrote Die, he wrote Die Hard 1. Am I mistaken? No, no I think uh, D'Souza. Stephen D'Souza. Okay, I thought it was. I thought it was, I thought it was a, one of those magic Shane Black Christmas movies. I could be wrong, but nope. uh, the the next few Die Hard movies are all existing movies or stories that they shoehorn John McClane into, and this is a book. Right. <laughs> this is based on a book, <laughs> so that has nothing to do with Die Hard. I forget well, what the book is. I mean, yeah, how do you say anything has to do with Die Hard? I mean, it's a it's I, an I, action movie. I, I don't think, know. Like, I mean, it's not like James Bond. No, like, no. I think. Yeah, you're, I think. I you're, mean, you're, technically, at least the first three are all pre-existing things that got transformed into Die Hard. Yeah. Even the first one was based on a book that got transformed right, that's into true. Die Hard. 
Yeah. But, and but then the, the second think, one is this other book, and the third one was a different script that they got into a bidding war with the Lethal Weapon folks over. Oh. There's your Shane Blank, your Black, Shane Black, by the way. Uh, yeah. But, so, yeah, Die Hard to Die Harder. In, hi- so, in hindsight, in hindsight, so Die Hard, the, the movie, I think modern criticism of the Die Hard franchise will always talk about John McClane as this invincible idiot. And, yeah. and and he it, it, the good version of that is in the first three movies where mm-hmm. where he's not super gung ho where it looks oh. like he's in pain like where the, he's hmm. yeah the best version of it is in Die Hard with a Vengeance I lo- because you get to see what a ding dong he is because there's <laughs> riddles and I love riddles. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and secretly, yes, Die Hard with a Vengeance is my favorite Die Hard movie. I'm sorry, mine, mine too. I'm I sorry, it. it's so much. a close, very close second. For but me. It, but it, it, it also was. I feel like because it's like he goes so Rambo. There's like he's got to kill a ton of people and huge mm-hmm. explosions. And this part of what makes especially the first one so fun is that yeah, he's just a guy. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a cop, so he knows how to handle a gun, but. That's about it. He's just a guy. No way. He's willing to do what has to be done to get results. <laughs> and what I love about the second one is that he's the whole time he's like, all right, I guess I'll save the day. And everyone's like, no, John, you don't have to do that. Like, we've got other people that can handle it. He's like, no, really. You guys, okay, I'll I'll do it. And they're like, no, John, please stop. Like, you're kind of making it worse, actually. <laughs> but in, ter- in terms of this climate, I know you're not – people may not be dying to watch a movie about a hero cop. But if you want to watch a movie where every white cop is an idiot and the only people who know what's going on are black people, this is a real good film. Dennis Franz is just like the the biggest idiot in the universe. The scenery so hard. He's just like, I can't even do the accent, but it is it's crazy. His his acting is so over the top. It's absolutely. I love him in this film. You get your ass out of here, McLean. I'm done. (laughs) Somebody get me a hat dog with no fucking ketchup and get this guy out of here. And the governor comes in and like uh, reinstate him. Actually, Lieutenant. <laughs> promote John McClane. All right, fine. God, meet my brother. He badge, told your care. Badge and gun on my desk. Badge and gun. Badge. Two weeks, no pay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, also, I love this, like, the opening of, like, the naked guy doing yoga, like, in uh, his hotel William room. Sadler. I think, are you ready? I wanted to build this into a tribute to William Sadler, uh, someone yeah. who should be a household name and isn't. He's a he's the ultimate who's that guy. He's awesome. He's in, like, every fucking Stephen King movie. He's, uh, he's uh, the fucking big bad in this. He's in the first episode of Tales from the Crypt and is awesome. Uh, William He's, Sadler rules. Uh, what death and Bill and Ted? Yes, too? yes. <laughs> and the, and the new that's Bill and Ted. Where my brain goes for him. No, but that's the thing. He's he's in he's so many memorable characters in so many memorable franchises, and he should be a household name. And it, like, because William Atherton, I feel like more people know. And is these Bo- Bonnie Bedelia and William Atherton were lucky to be in this fucking movie because like. Mm. I, I've watched yeah. Die Hard three so many times, and uh, they get rid of everyone. Well, who is yeah, well, this part of the problem? Is it's Christmas again? Mm-hmm. They're terrorists again. His wife is in danger uh, again. again, and I cram in William Atherton to to be on the plane just again. And it's like, yeah, yeah. How mm. how many Christmases does this guy have to save? I don't remember uh, why Bonnie Bedelia had such a problem with that reporter. 
<laughs> because was that he, from the first movie? Yeah, because they, because Man. they weren't supposed to publicize what they were doing, so they wouldn't create a panic. But it, both those movies, yeah, they do kind of like hate journalists for doing their job. <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah, I don't love that. It does, it does. Also, too, I am really glad with uh, when with a vengeance got away from the Christmas theme yes. because I just now I'm like thinking about it and like it works so much better as a sweaty New York movie. It's, it's which why it has the, the best sweaty. It has the best opening of all time. Yes, Hot town, exactly. summer in the city. Boom! Like it's not Christmas <laughs> an explosion. That's it, in five seconds. It tells you this. Yeah. And uh, I feel like if it was Christmas themed in New York, it would just be like jingle all the way, basically. (laughs) But with riddles. (laughs) That is ridiculous because I would just in an escape room and like half of Die Hard with a Vengeance is if I put four gallons in this bottle. (laughs) (laughs) I I mean, I love it so much. Yes, I I love it. I believe it may have started as a Lethal Weapon movie, but this this is again a, a good Die Hard. But it is the worst. It is the worst good Die Hard. It's um, the worst good Die Hard. This mm-hmm. one is yeah. fun and watchable, even though it's bad and stupid. Mm-hmm. But it also has four, a uh, four is. But four is similarly not great, but also often watchable. I fucking hate four, dude. And then five, sucks. we never talk about. Yeah, five mm-hmm. is terrible. Five doesn't exist. We're never talking about. It. <laughs> Ever. Uh, yeah, and and whatever. Un- Watchable. Whatever Phantom Menace prequel they're coming up with, we're not going to talk about that either, hopefully. Hopefully won't be alive long enough to have to watch and talk about that movie on its 10-year anniversary. But uh, but this is, sti- this is still, I think, when the character is really fun. I can see why mm-hmm. the, the public was totally okay with this sequel. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a little weird, and like it looks the uh, it looks bleak as shit. It, yeah. is, it is orange and teal, the movie, but due to the nature of like everything's at night in an airport with fire everywhere yeah. it, it, it's just like slate gray and blue basically but the, but the effects Which, I mean, every time you look at one of the effects like that's a beautiful miniature holy shit that's happening in camera someone is riding around on that airplane on the like on the wing that is happening mm-hmm. in our in, in camera that is neat the stunts are cool uh there uh, the the things john mcclain does are clever and believable mm-hmm. and he oh. Believable. I don't know. That that eject sequence. I love it. It's like the worst effects shot in the whole movie, but I love it. (laughs) I love the scene towards the beginning where there's the huge fight in the like luggage sorting area because Mm -hmm. it's really, it like really evokes, of course, like the first one with how it's kind of a place where nobody goes, like the the construction area in the first yeah. one. This is like a place that nobody I, really I goes. Love that, that luggage. And it's kind of like a Rube Goldberg machine yeah. for put that guy <laughs> it's down. It's totally basically. inefficient and apparently runs on steam in yeah, 1990. So like there's steam. just so much air I mean, and steam. All those clothes are getting mildewed AF <laughs> if they're all your luggage is going on these like conveyor belts that are getting steam baths the whole time. I uh, love it though. I, it's fun. Yeah, I, I, I have no problem recommending or reaffirming your love for Die Hard 2. It is not, it is the furthest thing from my favorite Die Hard, but it's totally fun. And it's, it's fun. It, it is, is stupid fun. It is the second best game in the Die Hard trilogy game Ooh. there. Yeah, I said it. Mm. Um, we all know what the first one is. We'll talk about it someday. Uh, moving into television, man, Sarah put this in here, I'm guessing, or Sarah or Diana, but Skate TV... Dude, I had a total like epiphany cat moment. Like I forgot all about this mm-hmm. because I was still like, you know, skating as much as a nine year old could skate. 
I, I was very into skating. And the idea that there would be a skate TV show, I'll be there day one. Why is this so boring and hosted by a bunch of old people? And, and, <laughs> and Matthew Lillard, I, the episode I found on YouTube, dude, get this for a fucking outfit. Matthew Lillard from Scream and Scooby-Doo wearing a fedora with a yellow vest over, with sunglasses over a Do the Right Thing t-shirt. It is the most 90s image <laughs> I have ever seen in my entire wow. life. That's a Halloween costume. <laughs> I'm, I'm Matthew Lillard going by Matthew Lynn and uh, uh, Skate Master Tate also hosting this. There's a super, super early Tony Hawk appearance in this. Mm, wow. And, and then tracing it back, have you ever seen Dogtown and Z-Boys? Like Stacey Peralta was involved in the production of the show, trying to bring, bring skate culture to the mainstream. It lasted, I, I say one season, but it really is like a couple of months. But Nickelodeon mm-hmm. trying to build a show about this new form of athleticism that only kids are into it was a noble endeavor and i, I what was it was them. it just like footage of people skating no it was what, like what, interview what? with skaters people could send oh. in uh they would call their beefs of the week and i couldn't tell what it was because it's either when you fall down or when you succeed mm. but the, <laughs> but a lot of beef puns but like you know it, it was very mtv style but it was like what's happening in skate culture and you can just being involved in it at the time at this time, not every skateboard was that symmetrical, both sides curved up. When I saw that design, I was like, that's brilliant. Every skateboard should look like that. But no, you bought them in Kmart, and they were all different sizes and had bumper guards and weren't were heavy <laughs> as shit and uh, said names like Nash on them and <laughs> Maury Boogie and things we don't even think about anymore. But yeah, <laughs> it is weird that this wasn't on MTV. Yeah, yeah for sure. It seems like the play, that's where we belong. Even in 1990, when they didn't run a ton of programming. Yeah, yeah, even, when, music. even yeah, even when they're doing non-music stuff. But it's it's very MTV, and I can totally see why kid would be bored by this because it is very uh, in your face, but also it is an ESPN thing. Like you're looking at athleticism and. I remember skating a lot, but like we didn't know how to do any tricks. There weren't any videos or YouTube yet. We didn't know we were bad. <laughs> we, 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 and we were using it as a form of transportation sometimes. I'm like, fuck it. This hill's awesome. Let's just roll down it on our stomachs. Uh, any, <laughs> anyway, Mr. the Mr. Belvedere finale also has the balls to air the same week uh, as Skate TV's <laughs> debut. Right. The sat upon flattened balls. To air the same week. Uh, I I didn't watch Where's this. The, I, we need a movie. It went six seasons. It, it, yeah, we could call it Brock Toon, and it'll be. Sorry, I still love actually, that. Actually, I think there was technically a movie because this character is actually based on a book. It's based on a really old book, and I think it'd been made yeah. into movies before. But oh yeah, it's uh, nineteen forty nine. Mister Belvedere goes to college, and nineteen fifty one. Mister Belvedere rings the bell. The, Exciting! It's it's like the only thing when I uh, I recently I think this week I'm on um uh, live from the pool house is that the name of the the Fresh Prince show that TL yes. and Sonya do mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. um what's it called live from the pool live house. from the pool house not tales from the pool house uh the only thing going on that show I can confirm the only thing dated about Fresh Prince is the butler like mm. the, the concept of a butler is very is foreign to even wealthy Instagram assholes to this day. Yeah. It, it, That's true. <laughs> well, a butler is just really an executive assistant before we had that kind of term. With an apron. <laughs> yeah. And Mr. Yeah. Belvedere, it's a weird concept. Bob Euchre <laughs> hires a hoity toity British man to take care of his family, and boy does he butt heads with the children. But I love that this episode sees Mr. Belvedere getting engaged. 
and then his fiance is like, I am in the foreign legion or some, one of those things that doesn't exist anymore. And, hmm. uh, and I have to go back to Africa. Mr. Belvedere announces, well, I guess I will too. So I don't think if anybody was betting on the end of Mr. Belvedere that the hoity-toity British butler would end up leaving the family to go to Africa, but he does. That's where that's where that okay. That's okay. where Mr. Belvedere ends. Um, and then this was tough, man. To look up, dream on. Uh, mm-hmm. H- not, oh it's, wow! It's hardly HBO's first big show, uh, but it's it. Sorry, it's they're not their first original show, but it's their first nope. really big show. Mm-hmm. And one of their first, yeah. I mean, they go through a couple. There's a couple eras of HBO programming, mm-hmm. uh, and I feel like this is sort of the beginning of their rise into prestige programming even though this is not really prestige programming but i fucking love dream on i mean it's brian ben ben right mm -hmm. yeah who is always very silly and rubber faced Mm -hmm. uh but it's and it's i should mention i didn't even realize it's created by marta kaufman and david crane who created friends it's the friends creators their first show that they created wow it's about you know this divorcee with his teenage son he works in publishing and just like an entire generation of kids relate to things through Simpsons quotes, mm-hmm. he relates to things through weird clips of old movies and TV shows. It's right. It's very hard to describe. Even though I remember, I, I I wish I still had my DVD. I had DVDs I stole from Netflix, uh, burned from the box set. The reason why you don't this movie doesn't exist. This this show is hard to find. HBO never owned it. Like mm. up until oh. like uh, up until like. I would say like the Mr. Show Sopranos era, like people would just pitch HBO shows like, oh, can we be on HBO? We'll curse. We can do that. <laughs> but like, because if you remember at a, at a point, Dream we'll On, boobs. Dream Dream On yeah. showed boobs and cursed, mm-hmm. but was also, they shot multiple versions of it and it aired on Fox and Comedy Central simultaneously huh. in syndication when it was running first on wow. HBO. Like it was fucking everywhere. And, yeah. and, and the show is about, if you watch the intro, about a kid raised by television. And I think John Landis, who's an executive producer along with the friends creators, he said universal had sort of asked him not unlike how they like Disney asked JJ Abrams, like survivors really hot, uh, make something set on a tropical Island. Here's $5 million. We don't care what you do or if you ever <laughs> solve any mystery. Uh, universal is just like, and find a way to make a TV show that it can incorporate our old footage. And they did. And Sam and I still laugh at some of the gags, uh, mm-hmm. that that occurred in the show it is like family guy with cutaways to real things mm-hmm. oh yeah mm-hmm. so, you're right it so, is like and spaced reminds me a lot of yeah. space too yeah yeah and, and and but what i what i don't understand is like i don't know i never in my life knew what they were cutting away to Our, i know sam and i's favorite reference is like remember she gave you a blowjob in the car and then they cut to like a guy from the 1940s whose keys are stuck in his uh, driver's side door and he's like thrusting his hips at it <laughs> and with with a bunch of weird horn music I'm like that's the funniest cutaway I've ever seen in my life that, that, that's delicious like this should win an Emmy and it almost did and, and but I, I trying to describe it let alone it was hard let alone trying to find it it is mm-hmm. abandoned essentially I, I know it came out on DVD almost every YouTube clip I found of it is dubbed over in a different language Oh, uh, wow. It's not available. I could not find a, a, a available for sale digitally. But so I, when I was a little kid, I wouldn't have recognized actors like Edward G. Robinson, 
basically it was a show that's like Family Guy, but instead of writing their own cutaways, they would dig into Universal Library, Universal's library of movies, television shows, and industrial shorts. Yep. So if you were a kid and you were raised by television in a much smaller world, there's a chance this was not only funny to you, but you like recognized what this is from. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize that until like, oh, that's Edward G. Robinson. But like, I don't know what fuck movie this is. And there is a brilliance to this. There really is. And you know it was hard to make. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because a, a lot of it is very specific. to the, Some of the stuff is like, uh, you ever see that clip where the, of the Wonder Years where they remove the narration? It's just Fred Savage staring into <laughs> the distance of his, <laughs> his acting partner's eyes. And it's really weird. Like, that's yeah. what Martin Tupper is doing. Sometimes the dialogue plays over the clips, too. So, yeah. But I, I don't recognize a single thing that's ever been cut away to on Dream On. We're, well, we were not old enough. I think it's I, I have a couple times because I was old and weird. Yeah. Unse- Kel surprise. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I think it's interesting too because um, it is kind of introducing this idea of viewing your life and your relationships and circumstances in your life yeah. through the lens through of culture. media mm-hmm. and pop mm-hmm. culture, which for the generation that's being represented by Brian Benben, who mm-hmm. I guess was what, gen- between Gen X and Boomer, maybe? Mm-hmm. That's a more, more boomer. Mm-hmm. That's the first generation that really had that mm-hmm. ability to put a pop culture lens on various big aspects in their life. Oh, and I've appreciated this on many different levels because uh, in every episode, Martin Tupper would fuck a different girl and there'd be nudity. <laughs> like when you were, it was almost guaranteed every episode. Mm-hmm. It's very, because mm-hmm. the whole show he wants to get back together with his ex-wife. It ends on a big cliffhanger because he remarries his ex-wife and the brilliant man that she she's only marrying him because her brilliant hu- new husband died and is cryogenically frozen. Oh, it's yeah, silly, that's right. but the whole show yeah. is silly. It's I thought it was pretty decent, and I, when I when I found the show uh, when I was unable to masturbate to the show as I grew older, I'm like, this is still funny. <laughs> this is. <laughs> because your taste got much more. No, 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 no. My access grew, into. Uh, uh, <laughs> To what, to okay. what could make yes uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean i a friend of ours uh showed this to me and it he showed it to me around the same time that we were also watching the hbo sh- show hung and mm. they have very similar vibes to me huh huh kind of like a older guy who like doesn't really want to grow up and mm-hmm. has a rotating like you know, group of women and it's like a dramedy, you know, it's not a straight comedy, but it, it, it has humorous elements to it. And it's half an hour on HBO just felt really similar to me. Similar vibe. Uh, and his ex-wife is Wendy Malick. The first yeah. time I saw Wendy Malick Ooh. in anything and she is so funny. Oh my God. She's it's the just, best. It's and just her. the whole running thing about her, her current husband who like we never get to see. Mm-hmm. And it's all about like, Oh, you know, well, he helped John Lennon write that song right before he like did surgery on the Pope and saved his life. And then he goes to space for a while. Yeah. <laughs> it's like he is so beyond uh, like a super achiever and perfect man. Yeah. Yeah. And it, her first husband is this fucking schlub. He's a book editor, single dad uh, with an asshole best friend mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. book editors. I don't even know if you can put that as a job um, in, in movies mm. anymore. It's anyway, my dream. Yeah. Anyway, uh, uh, there I, I could not find any games for this period. We are we are leveling up to one big American release, but something we have talked about previously. Uh, but you, 
but you can find out more on patreon.com slash laser time. I will dig as deep as I can and find old arcade games, Amiga, MS DOS shit, like stuff you've never heard of to talk about in, in that show. But we've got plenty to talk about in our show, including the music of 1990. Um, on the 7th, the three tenors give their first concerts. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So I don't think I'm alone in saying this, but my grandmother loved the three tenors so yep. much. I feel like many people can say that same sentence. However, you can't say it's also the same grandma who was obsessed with Michael Jordan had a stand-up cutout of her of him in her house. So it's, she had wow. many, many interests. It's it's the, yeah. the uh, Avengers of ball-shattering opera singers. And- <laughs> <laughs> I will always have a, a soft spot in my heart for them because of uh, because of my Mimi. It's crazy. Aww. It's like I think it's yeah. it's gotta be some of the most opera singers have ever al- most albums an opera singers ever sold by combining their worldwide recognition together because this shit was like yeah it's yeah. like i have everything yeah. I, i'm listening or just, have everything in the top 10 of every weekly music chart except the three tenors which will not die everyone I mean, it's, <laughs> it's them and andrea bocelli mm-hmm. i think those are probably the two opera stars that broke through yeah, yeah. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, look, it's great. It's not just like, oh, three of the greatest op- opera singers ever, but like they do all like popularly known stuff. They do a bunch of arias that you know, they do some popular songs that you know from like musicals and stuff. So, mm-hmm. yeah, what's not to like? You feel classy, listen to it. No, uh, <laughs> yes, this is what I recommend. Uh, if your town has a friends of the library sale every year. That is a good place to pick up some three tenor <laughs> CDs. Mm-hmm. Guarantee uh, it. Yep. And uh, this week, there's also some step by step by New Kids in the Block is still number one, but we have some new releases from uh, Jeff Lynn with Armchair Theater, Smooth Noodle Maps by Devo, uh, The Hard Way by Steve Earle, Lights Camera Revolution by Suicidal Tendencies, Seven Turns by the Allman Brothers Band, uh, Spirits Dancing in the Flesh by Santana. God, he's back again. Can we? we- can we go one episode without talking about Santana? <laughs> no. <laughs> it's never happened in the 90s. Um, or sorry, in, in 1990. We are in love by Harry Connick Jr. and Brick by Brick by Iggy Pop. And we will take you out with Candy by Iggy Pop. But stay right there because we have a lot of 2000 to talk about. Candy, 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 I can't let you go. Coming in with Yellow from Coldplay off of Parachute's little indie band that could Coldplay. Oh, man. I remember the first time I heard this song. Me and too. I was like, this is how I know I'm basic now. Because at the time, I was like, this is the most romantic thing I've ever heard I, in my life. <laughs> I, I, I not only thought I remember my ex-girlfriend like even presenting this to me like, listen to this. I don't like mainstream music and I'm into more indie stuff. I think this is a mix that will equal the next big thing. And I listen to it mm-hmm. like, yeah, this is fucking different. Yeah. Uh, it's really weird 
to think of this song as being different, but I love I, I genuinely love if you watch the, the video for this. It's just oh, yes. them in one shot as the sun rises, walking on the beach, doing that music video trick where they're singing in slow mo. Mm-hmm. And you hmm. just you just watch the sunrise on a beach. It's super simple. It doesn't it doesn't prelude what Coldplay will become at all. It's just a, a bunch of young guys with no silly piano stuff happening, but like well, distorted guitar. It does, it does and it doesn't. I think that at that point, it, they are one thing that Coldplay has always held on to. I think to their detriment at times, unfortunately, has been their unbelievable earnestness. Yes, that's and, exactly the word I was just thinking. And so, in two thousand with Yellow, it's beautiful and charming and unlike anything else that we've seen but then by the time Viva La Vida came out and that guy's banging a giant drum on the SNL during one of the funniest SNL music performances I've ever seen (laughs) we're in a different place you guys (laughs) read the room it's it's so I I am transported right now back to hearing the song for the first time and I was very very impressed you know I bleed myself dry and then the fucking distorted guitars kick back in again like this this is good uh, it's so no good, by the way. Like, I, it still kind of takes me to a, the bone zone. Like, it's <laughs> uh, that song is is great. That's a bad yeah. sexual rhythm. I, you know, I was always sort of like, yeah, you know, what's people's problem with Coldplay? Like, it's fine. It's very earnest, and I realized, oh yeah, it, part of it is the earnestness and like how badly they want to be you too. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of you two in there, and people hate you two for their earnestness. Exactly. Like, <laughs> which you know what? Like, I'm not yeah. mad at it. It's I, fine. Yeah. yeah I, I, if you I, like I, it, that's great. I was thinking about that the other day, not knowing this was coming. Like, why am? Why do I pretend to hate Coldplay so much? Right. <laughs> like, exactly. Ooh. Don't. I mean, it just, it's just it's mean, a Viva default. Vita is a great song. I don't yeah. remember that one. Even though it's, but it's cheesy. So much of their it's, stuff, of yeah, course. yeah. I, I think very I think of, cheesy. I think of clocks, but not in a in a goofy way. Clocks, I like that song. I it's love hard not to like that song. Still in it. I, I love clocks. Consider it dealt with. Uh, welcome to 2000, everyone. The debut of Coldplay. <laughs> Fuck me. We have other new releases to talk about, such as Cries of the Past from Under Oath, as well as Days of the White Owl by the Nerve Agents, Art and Life by Beanie Man. And this self-titled debut of Kill Switch Engage. Great band name. Ooh, emo. Great band name. No matter right. what. I don't know if I know their music at all, but I love that name, man. Uh, S-I-O-S, um, S-O-S, uh, Volume 1 by Spooks is also out. But, I mean, none of us are going to get over Kill Switch Engage. And I, <laughs> I want to thank them again for playing my parents' wedding. <laughs> that was very very nice of them um be with you by enrique iglesias is still number one in uh 2000 a little bit of news to bring you into the the year 2000 man i remember Aww. reading this in one of my last minivan trips with my parents Aww. uh harry potter and the goblet of fire is published did you put your name in the goblet of fire harry <laughs> goblet of fire <laughs> Uh, I do really like this book, and the movie's pretty good too. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's not. It's Prisoner of Azkaban is the best, but this was pretty fucking great, man. Pretty I, good, but it made me. It should just be called Harry Potter and the Lack of Liability Insurance. <laughs> <laughs> well, I grown up. I Those kids like... are all dying. Every kid in the school's getting eaten by something by the end of that damn book, man. And this is the first one with a big giant on grounds meaningful death with Cedric huh? Diggory. 
And uh, we just joked about Robert Pattinson last week, but like, yeah, the the, the emotional impact of doing that to a character, I think, made him more famous than him being the star of an indie movie. The idea Mm -hmm. that something so impactful happened to this universe and he got to be that person, Mm -hmm. which was a much smaller part in the film. Uh, Yeah, true. Yeah, I mean, uh, the the book brought up though a lot of questions for me. I remember like. Yeah, here are all these other wizarding schools coming in for this like wizard Olympics, but like then where are they during anything else that happens in the wizarding mm. world? Oh like, no, no, kinda... this, I think this is the one that brings in like Rita Skeeter in the Fox News of the the fucking Harry Potter world. That's oh my god, is that part of this too? Dude, none of that is brought up in uh, the movies, but like the leader of the oh, Ministry of Magic. But the leader of the Ministry of Magic, and there's a lot of like 2000 era Bush administration, Tony Blair horseshit that mm. will forever permeate those books that the movies mm-hmm. just didn't bother with. But it, it, I think it really begins here because this is this book, I, if I'm not mistaken, was almost double the size of the previous book. This is when these books became like heavy 700 page tomes instead yes. of the, like the 250 page tomes uh, right. of previous books. Goblet was huge. It was. I think. Is it is it fair to call it? It's the first Harry Potter book released when Harry Potter's a bona fide phenomenon. I want to yeah, say in the America, last yeah. One yeah. Was Azkaban not as popular, or is it, it was building popularity uh, by then? Because we we're gonna get them. We'll get the first movie by the end of the year. This is the first. Okay. This is the first uh, uh, book uh, Harry Potter book I was looking forward to. The first three were already out when I was already reading. I it. think this is the first one I remember like going to. Mm-hmm the midnight release at Barnes and Nobles, like with my friends and stuff. So cool. That would make sense. Yeah. I mean, prove me wrong. We have a comment section. You can contact us on Twitter and we can mention it on our Facebook or call the bat phone. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> this was hardly the first Harry Potter book. <laughs> Every week. <laughs> uh, I unplug it and somehow it rings anyway. It's haunted. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you sound like you get like less spam than I do on my cell phone. Just today, hello, this is MasterCard, Visa, and Discover. All three? (laughs) All three are calling me? Oh, I want to give all of my information to you. Thanks for being one number away from my phone number. That is some clever (laughs) shit. That's uh, okay. I I get these really, really, really realistic calls from the IRS speaking Cantonese. Wow. Very handy. Wow. When you have a San Francisco area code. Was Sarah there? We were, we went, uh, a friend of ours rented a beach house and I went down there and, uh, and someone called the phone the second we walked in and like, hello, is Chris there? And like, I'm like, uh, and they just <laughs> hand me the phone. I'm like, yeah, what up? This is Chris. He's like, this is the IRS and you're blah, 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 back taxes. And like, ah, well, fuck you. Come and get me. I'm not paying shit. And like, <laughs> this is actually very serious. And that's why we called you at your home. And like, oh, oh, I am at, I'm not him. I I'm so sorry. And then they they were like, "Nice try, Mister Chris." I'm like, no, "No, no, I'm really not this guy. I don't want to fucking send him to jail." Like, I'm sorry. I I, I was I was being a naughty person. Anyway, anyway, uh, this this makes me and laugh. Like, the only way you can fix this is by sending us iTunes gift cards <laughs> because that's what the IRS does. <laughs> Please send us your PSN handle if you want. Um. Uh. Movies of 2000, July 3rd through the 9th. Uh, I can totally see What Up from Billy Crudup playing Jesus' son. I'm just saying. 
Uh, Samantha sure. Morton and Robert Michael Kelly are also in this movie. Well, he doesn't literally play Jesus' son. I mean, it's based on uh, a book of short stories that they managed to like cram them sort of all together mm-hmm. about uh, a guy who's literally named Fuckhead. Mm-hmm. And uh, they do a lot of drugs and they run around and he meets a girl and then she's over here and they're doing more drugs and psychedelic shit happens. And it's weird, but it, it's a very 2000s, 1999 kind of indie movie weird that I have like the vaguest recollections of being like, yeah, that's fine. Whatever. Have we had an almost famous yet at this point? Yeah. Nope. No. 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 I don't think we have. Oh, I, we would have talked about it. I guess. Oh, uh, excuse me. Do you mean untitled? Qua. <laughs> mm, mm. That's the uh, director's cut title. It's the only one you should watch. Oh, Lord uh, yeah. have mercy. Okay. Mm-hmm. No, we get that in uh, like two months. Yes. Oh, okay. Sweet. Yep. If you ever wondered where Mark Maron's intro came from, uh, <laughs> yes. From almost Thank famous. Thank you. Like I. Lock the game to these saw it when it came out. Yeah, and then I like uh, listened to WF for year, yeah, WTF for years, and then rewatched it kind of in the past couple of years. I was like, holy shit! Yeah. Are you ready Lock for the the, the best acting performance ever from Jimmy Fallon? It happens. It happens. <laughs> yeah. It happens. Yeah. Uh, and and speaking of totally totally two thousands movie waste uh... of money hubris. Remember. I well, I said that to my girlfriend. You remember when Disney released a movie every two months and they were terrible? Mm. And, and, and she was like, cared? no, because I wasn't alive in 1968. Like, I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad there wasn't a young girlfriend slant. Um, uh, <laughs> Chi McBride, uh, Lily Tomlin, Emily Mortimer, Spencer Breslin, and Bruce Willis are ooh, in Disney's The Kid. The Kid. I'm in now. Now on his 40th birthday. Just when I think I've seen the worst in you. And I get the tiniest glimpse of the kid in you. He'll get a magical chance to rediscover himself. <laughs> As Russ Doritz, the man, I know you, meets Russ Doritz, the kid. Are you who I think you are? Russell Morley Duritz. How'd you know my name? I'm dreaming, dreaming, dreaming! I don't think you're dreaming, because you're talking and your eyes sort of twitching. Oh man, this is has TGF <laughs> vibes written all over it in 2000. Yeah. I yeah, I remember watching this in 2000. I did not revisit it, but I do remember being extremely bothered by the fact that Bruce Willis could not recognize himself as a child. <laughs> hmm. Like I, I know what I look like as a child. I've seen pictures of myself. Yeah, I haven't grown an inch. Sorry, Sarah, <laughs> sorry, Sarah Baron. <laughs> Rude. <laughs> Don't pick me up. <sighs> oh, yeah, I like that we've got wall to wall Bruce Willis on this one. Wow. <laughs> They're very, very different. Like he's making a kids movie, and it's just oh, look, I can still do comedic acting. I'm stretching my range. No, no one cares. No one wants to see this. Yeah, uh, horrible review. I, I didn't think anything could have worse reviews than North, and uh, the kid is was pretty up I there. Liked North. It's pretty terrible. It's I'm pretty the only bad. person in the world who likes North. And no, Diana, that is not are. a slam on Carl Reiner through his son. Um, <laughs> I, I'm still what? as devastated as you. Yeah. Uh, I have a pregunta for uh, <laughs> why is it called Disney's the kid? Like, why do why certain things are like Disney's? Da, 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 da. I have a theory. Yeah, me okay. too. It's to avoid confusion with Charlie Chaplin. Okay. I thought, like, this is also the period, uh, again, you hear me bitch about, like, uh, or rattle on about, like, 
the need of Disney to buy Marvel and Star Wars, um, they were adapting a ton of Inspector Gadget and Underdog movies around this time. So I think it was really f- important for them to reaffirm, like, this This is a Disney movie. This is mm. not just a thing that we're making, like Inspector Gadget uh, gotcha. or Dudley Do-Right. This is a, this is a Disney movie. Disney's the kid. It's one of those stupid things you see every so often. I still see it on Columbia movies where, like, we know Columbia is a Sony company, but every time, Sony, a Sony product, Sony, believe Sony. And then they still follow with a Columbia Pictures thing. Like, dude, this is, like, to appease three people. This is what Trump's press secretary sounds like when you when you show us <laughs> shit like this. We know you're a big company. Who owns a lot of stuff? Yeah, and it, I just, it, it bugs me because, like, I, it's kind of a cute premise, I guess. Like, what really the ultimate? What would you say to your younger self right. if you could? Right. What if your younger self just appeared in your life? But really, it's just a version of I am a guy who works too hard, work, 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 and I don't pay enough attention to my family. Oh, I missed out on important kid thing. Sorry, honey, I gotta work, 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 work. I've learned my lesson. I care now. I swear. Kids, if you want to make some good Netflix money, this same premise, but you go back in time and you back to the future yourself and to meet yourself, but you accidentally kill yourself. That's the movie <laughs> people would want to buy. Like you're accidentally responsible for your own death as a child. <laughs> write your way out of that one, Netflixers. Do it, and I'll watch it. Uh, and I, I, I'm, I, I am, I am, I've had one of the worst weeks and days of my entire life in ways that aren't moral or philosophical, just I'm covered in sweat and mildew and life has not been good. Mm. I basically didn't cancel the show because I wanted to hear Diana talk about this film, Mm. uh, a film Mm. I saw in the theaters day one. I've seen several times since, but has sort of fallen out of my viewing schedule. I think... Mm. Get it back in there, man. We'll talk about it. Uh, Chang Chen, uh, Zhang Zi, uh, Michelle Yeoh, and of course, Chow Yun-Fat and Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Released in China, right? Yeah, this is its release date in China. It will mm-hmm. come to the U.S. in December. But December is always really crowded for us. So okay. if I can find a new date to run something, I run it. So this is the Chinese release date. Okay. The story of a warrior. The woman he loved. A daring outlaw. And a princess destined to become a warrior. We're flying, we're fighting. I mean, this, this, I, I couldn't stop watching it because, like, <laughs> there are a few cinematic experiences. I, I had the, this was played at our, our local indie theater in my hometown, mm-hmm. and, and it's which isn't the best theater experience. But I've, I I not only vividly remember certain things that occurred on screen. I remember the seats and the pe- people's movements when these things happened. <laughs> when someone runs across a, a piece of bamboo, like mm-hmm. uh, and the audience is like, "Fuck! Oh my god! <laughs> I've never seen anything like this before." Uh, <laughs> This is a cinematic experience, uh, an in-theater experience I'll never forget. 
I, it's one of the movies that, uh, well, A, one of the things I've been mourning for many months now is not being able to go to a movie theater. And this is one of the movies that yeah. I would like okay. when things open up again to do one of those like flashback, like where they show older movies in movie theaters again. I think most theaters are doing that because I did not see this when it came out. And in fact, I did not see it fully until today. I, yeah, which is crazy. And the only, I mean, I did, technically I have seen it before, but it was my first boyfriend put it on and then we just made out through it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's hard to make out and read subtitles at the same time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I kind of, I felt like I English patiented it. You made out during Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon? Oh my God. Or wait, did they make out during Schindler's List? They did. Is that what, that, that's what I'm thinking of. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So my experience with this was uh, this was pretty early in uh, dating my future husband. Mm-hmm. And I just saw the reviews of this coming out of China and, and film festivals were yeah. like, this is fucking incredible. And I was like, yeah, let's go see it. And I was expecting more <laughs> Hong Kong action because it's Chow Yun-Fat and Michelle Yeoh. Mm-hmm. And I was not expecting like this grand sweeping epic where they're they're in the Gobi Desert and they're up on this mountain temple and like and that's a real place holy shit that's not like a map painting mm-hmm. and and just this like huge story that really just sort of boils down to um feminism yeah <laughs> uh yeah because it's about you know uh a woman who wants I mean really at the basics it's about a woman who wants to be trained in kung fu but because she's a woman, she won't be. So she kills a master, uh, learns based on his books, teaches her protege, and then they become uh, secret criminals. Mm-hmm. That's that's kind of how it. The basics of it, you know. Then her, her, you know, her students surpasses her master, and then she starts fighting this. You know, Chayon Fat is this, you know, like epic legendary hero, and they're like trying to use your kung fu for good and she's like fuck all y'all you want me to marry some guy Woo! i'm stealing your sword Woo! i'm fucking dudes up yeah <laughs> and so like it's about feminism and being able to ter- determine your own path and like be the person who's inside mm-hmm. but it's also about like teachers and their students and their responsibility to each other like i was not expecting how big mm-hmm. and gorgeous yeah. oh my god my god Ang-, Ang lee is seriously one of my favorite filmmakers still working today it, it's, I, I wish i knew more he about makes he makes the personal very personal on mm-hmm. these giant canvases which i feel like all of his stuff feels very dreamlike for that reason yeah. like mm-hmm. it is huh. on this giant canvas and yet it still feels so personal i mean even like brokeback mountain and life mm-hmm. of pi are all kind of dreamlike movies in a lot of way i feel like and um, I would say the same for I would say the same same for Hulk and Face Off. There, <laughs> I'm John not Woo. kidding. Oh my bad. Yeah, come on, man. No, no, no. John Woo is Face Off. Uh, Hulk is Ang Lee. Yeah, yeah. Hulk and, is Ang. Yeah, he was trying to do something, and there's parts of the movie that are actually like pretty good. Yeah, but not like Brokeback Mountain or Crouching Tiger, Hidden mm-hmm. Dragon, and the mm-hmm. the fact that it's like you understand it, you relate to it, and the characters are so interesting while also having these just incredible fight scenes yeah mm-hmm. where it's like between this and the matrix that introduces everyone to wire foo and they're both mm-hmm. choreographed by yen wu ping 
Yeah, it's, we also it's, made like it's, a bunch of other Wuxia it's, wire. It's two thousand, and 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 uh, Sarah, our buddy Sherrod, was just in, introducing me to the concept of wire foo mm-hmm. in in movies like this. That was, I don't know if it was burgeoning at this point, but like it it was very difficult to find here. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. these types of movies, and that Ang Lee is stepping forward. Where was he at this point? Was he like a prestigious director globally, or this uh, mo- is this the movie that made him famous? Well, he was already, I mean, he was already well-respected for some of his stuff uh, from China, like Eat, Drink, Bang, Woman, and oh, Wedding shit. Banquet. And yeah. then he did Sense and Sensibility in 95, right. and The Ice Storm in 97. So it's oh, like... Oh, shit, The Ice Storm. Another right. dream movie. Yeah. Another movie that is, like, very ethereal and, like, huh. feels spooky in a dream way. It's So yeah. he made a big-budget wire-foo movie, and, like... M- my mind was blown because I was just starting <laughs> to learn about this genre, and and uh, sorry that it, it, that's I mean, underselling I, how many genres this movie takes place in. I but. saw it for the first time today, and my mind was blown. Mm. Twenty years later, so yeah. I mean, this movie is phenomenal, and watching the fight scene between Michelle Yeoh and Zhang Zi, I was like, oh, oh my man. god. I am very into this. She's just <laughs> grabbing every weapon on that you've ever thought of. As you just grabbing it, so okay, uh, these two hook things, yeah, and they're fighting with it's... crazy ass weapons. And yeah, the only real special so effects is they're painting out the wires. Yeah, it's uh, a lot of times they are in practical places and practically doing all the stunts themselves, mostly in all the fighting. Mm-hmm. Um, I know some. Chinese audiences find it sort of silly because everyone has a very different accent. Mm-hmm. But uh, <laughs> as a white person who does not speak any form of Chinese, I, I can't. Yeah, I'm really kind of a it. I'm kind of a Mandarin guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like uh, Michelle Yeoh doesn't actually speak Mandarin, so mm-hmm. she had to learn her lines phonetically. And like Zhang Ji, oh, she's got a really you know her her accent is very Beijing, but Chai Yun Fat's accent is very Cantonese, and I'm like. Mm. I believe you, and that would be jarring as fuck. (laughs) You know what's so interesting is that I remember – I do remember the movie Crazy Rich Asians from – I think two years ago who that came forget? out. Um, the book – I read the book, and I was a huge fan of it. And the person who did the audio um, – the audiobook for it talked about that, about how it's, you know, so everyone in that book is from different places in Asia and like learn Chinese kind of in, in different regions. And this person who did the audiobook had to like learn all the different accents Whoa. and do them in the book. It's wild. It's very cool. Anyways, yeah. side so, note, sorry. Yeah. So, um, oh, other side note. Uh, I love the timing of this because I'm going to be on uh, the Heroes 3 podcast talking about Wing Chun, which is another wire foo movie from before this, but also with Michelle Yeoh, directed by Yan Wu Ping. Uh, that's coming out pretty soon, but it's because I only watched, I only started getting into those movies because Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. And I was like, I'm sorry, are you telling me that there are like master filmmakers who do this and they've been doing this this whole time? The whole time? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so luckily a lot of that stuff started to come to, to DVD in the States. And so I could get my, my stinky little paws on it so I could watch more, you know, Donnie Yen messing people up. I, I wish I could. I, could, I, I, I'm, I wasn't this big of a dork for this, but but our buddies were. And like we we did have like a party and like they'd put on a movie that like you had completely no access to and never would have heard of. And you're like, what the fuck is this? I yeah. miss that feeling of like a of like 
I've never seen anything like this. Where is this from? How did you get it? And like, well, I had to steal it. And I had to, I had to know yeah. that it existed. And like, man, those days of like combing through Ain't It Cool News are like completely over. Like everything has – every movie has a platform. I'm only saying that because leading to – this movie is a sequel I've never heard anybody say a word about mm, because no, of how it was I, distributed. I still haven't watched it. Right. Because yeah, it ended up going to Netflix here. Yeah, Netflix US, right? paid paid out the, at the nose to buy mm. it. And I – Unlike everything else they've ever bought, they throw it in my face and tell me it's available. I never saw this pop mm. up in my feed. I never saw Sword of Destiny. Ne- never saw it thrown in my face uh, ever. I forgot Isn't it existed. That the Tenacious D? The Pick of Destiny. <laughs> Pick of Destiny. Sorry, mm-hmm. sorry. Um, yeah, this is the time that I started hearing about people getting different region DVD yeah, players. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Like, all yeah. of that stuff I started hearing about now. And it was, I was like, wow, you guys or everybody's are... buying a PS2 or an Apex player because you could unregion code it with, like, a, a flick of the yeah. remote. And it... It just, I had no idea that was even a thing until kind of this time period. And yeah, I, again, really I, I, I'm, I'm never that person that, like, my time watching film was better than your current time. But there was something magical about, like, obtaining movies these companies wouldn't allow you to obtain. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing objectionable in them. It's just no one can strike a deal to bring these things over to America. So being able to show your friend a movie, a, a fantastic movie he's never heard of. Uh, it's not a foreign concept now. But, like, with foreign movies back in the day, like, that's how it was. Or mm-hmm. being able, I mean, sorry, this mm-hmm. sounds super corny, but mm-hmm. being able to go to your local video store like Video 21 yeah. and just wandering into the foreign movie section, just picking mm-hmm. something out at random. Yeah. Oh, I really, I mean, I really miss that. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Me too. And, and this this movie was a phenomenal, how many Oscars did this, this get nominated for? Uh, Like 10. Yeah. Uh, And it won, I think, five it was nominated for Best Picture, which mm-hmm. is pretty rare still for a, a foreign language film. Remember, we only have one foreign language Best Picture winner, and it was a couple it months was, ago. It was a couple yes. months ago, and I think I didn't compare the two, but this was, and I bet still adjusted for inflation, is the highest grossing foreign language film ever made uh, ever, I, in America. I believe yeah, so. I was gonna say. Yeah, I, I believe it is. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it won Best Costume score. The score is great mm-hmm. uh set design is great yeah i want a bunch of technical i think cinematography mm-hmm. too because boy does it deserve it i mean this oh, is my god a lush movie mm-hmm. yeah the whole fighting in the treetops of the bamboo forest mm-hmm. as they're waving and they're, they're this vibrant green and mm-hmm. oh my god i Yet love I- this movie it holds up mm-hmm. and i seriously i feel like it's the best movie of 2000 Come Ooh, at damn. me, bro. <laughs> damn. Come, Ooh, la, la. Come on, compare this to Gladiator, which is also <laughs> a big old epic. Agree. <laughs> That's what wins Best Picture. Ugh. But again, big old epic, pretty dumb. Yeah. I, I so do I, I do have a friend threatening me right now um, who is a PhD historian threatening mm-hmm. to do a podcast about historically a- historical accuracy <gasps> in films. Oh, I boy. love that. And he that. keeps threatening to come over to my house and do it, and Gladiator being one of them, and like... That's gonna be the first one. Would you like to see Gladiator torn apart on a historical level? Um, uh, 100% let us know. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> let Diana know. <laughs> Tell her. <laughs> but also, I mean, going back to talking about Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, and the awards that it won, 
yet again, another argument, I think, that we should have a category for best stunt coordinator and best stunt yeah. person. Yeah. Yes. Makes no sense. Because Makes no sense. obviously so much care and skill and experience and time went into coordinating the stunts that are involved in this movie. And that needs to be recognized. That 100% needs to be recognized. It does. Mm-hmm. Like the Oscars cannot – you cannot have a majority of your categories apply to books. Mm-hmm. You should have a category that applies to <laughs> something you can only do in movies. And mm-hmm. and stunt uh, stunt coordination is part of that. Fuck yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck you. <sighs> yeah. Or just give Yen Wuping an honorary Oscar. Yeah. Let's start there and then mm-hmm. get the category. Because, holy shit, sure. that guy has done everything. I mean, going back to Drunken Master in 78, man, he's so many movies you like. He's worked on them somewhere. Hmm. And yet still, this movie was not number one at the box office. (laughs) Well, yeah, because it is uh, out in China. And I wanted to, yeah, rhapsodize a bit about, you know, what uh, a wonderful, interesting, heartfelt, fascinating movie this is. Because uh, number one at the box office is (laughs) none of those things. Um, Hold hold the phone. There's, There's redeemable qualities to this film. I'm not uh, saying it's irredeemable, but it's not fucking crouching tight. Bill Bowman, Buddy Johnson, Marlon, and Sean Wayans. Number one this week, scary movie. Oh, I'm going to tell you all the rules to survive this situation. Rule number one. Don't answer the phone. I'm in the house. Do you know where I am? You're behind the couch. I can um see your feet. What? I don't talk to reporters. The press only wants to interview the most ignorant person they can find. Oh, jeez. First cops now this? And whatever you do, don't be afraid to rise to the occasion. Yeah! Oh, I hate these Matrix references. Fucking Matrix reference. But I was here on the theater, in the theater day one for this, and it was explosive. It was one of the most volatile hilarious screenings I've ever had for a, a film before. It seems like it is a good movie to see with a big ass rowdy crowd. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's also one of those things like you, you talked uh, the other week about airplane mm-hmm. and like, I've always been able to appreciate airplane despite not growing up, having seen the airport movies. Like if you haven't seen scream, this movie will make no sense. <laughs> it, it, it makes no sense at all. Or in like some of the references are, are a little, they're not genre specific. They're movie specific. And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm being a a, and a bad comedy nerd, but I I I that's re- part of the problem. I remember laughing my ass off when that girl is sprayed with cum through a ceiling. Oh. That's something I'd <laughs> okay. never seen in yeah. film before. So I feel like I remember seeing that clip somewhere. Mm-hmm. I had not seen this movie, and Sam and I talked about because our kid is super into horror movies, and so we kind of discussed like, hey, maybe we should watch this with him. Like this would be like a fun. Like, you know, kind of way to, you know, for him to view like his horror mm. movie stuff. And then I remembered that scene and mm. I was like, that is not a scene that I want to watch with my stepson. He will he, no. will, he will not think yeah. this is funny. This- and I'm not shitting on the movie. Like yeah. nobody thinks Saturday the 14th is funny. No one ever talks that- about Saturday the 14th. Yeah. It, mm. The original yeah. fucking horror parody movie. Yeah. Well, I mean, this. Yeah. So much of the humor is really, really crude. Mm-hmm. And I can live with that most of the time. Like, if I feel like there is a, like, I don't know. if Somehow, if it works for me, it works for me. And sometimes it doesn't. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are a couple of crude jokes in here I did think were funny. But 
so much of it is just why I don't like either Wayne's Brothers parodies or Freiburg Zeltzer parodies mm. is because it's just they're just it's just a reference. Mm-hmm. It's just mm-hmm. like basically remember this, mm-hmm. but like there's not a story point or a character point or any point. It's just I, I wouldn't hate- it. Wouldn't it be funny if I said I see dead people and then he looks and then there is a dead person? I I hate bringing it up again, but like when Family Guy does a cutaway to a reference, the scary movie and and all the Wayans franchises don't trust the audience to have seen that reference and will have to describe in order to set up the joke, the reference that they're doing. And it's like, this is excruciating. Have some faith that the people who are here get what you're doing. Or, yeah. or not, and like let it be a thing that's very fun for people to look up a yeah, thing yeah, that yeah, they yeah, yeah, yes, never yes. heard of before. Yeah, let some people not get it. Yeah, have some right. people be mystified. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's, that's one of my favorite things about Gilmore Girls is, is extremely referential. And like, yeah, you just don't get half the stuff, and that's fine. Look it up later. It's kind yeah. of the, the joy of it. It's And it's weird because I mean, like I think the the this little weird genre, like – I love the Wayans. I love in living color. Um, mm-hmm. And it'll, it like parodying horror movies sort of allowed them to like cut their own ticket. And, mm-hmm. and, and like, I like their brand of humor. I do, but well, I like some of the Wayans mm-hmm. I do not like Sean and Marlon. I'm sorry. No, I'm not anti Sean and Marlon. I'm I, I never have found either one of them funny. They mug to the cameras so freaking hard that mm-hmm. I just can't find just It's I've, I've never laughed at either of them. I really don't think I've ever laughed at either of them. I have definitely laughed at Marlon. Maybe not Sean. I need to mm. double check that. I need to watch White Chicks again. Uh, and again, the funniest movie of 2020 is is Bad Trip, which has the best White Chicks reference of all time uh, in, in, in it. And please, I'm just... I realize I didn't say that on a public-facing show. Bad Trip rules. I showed that to another uh, group of people. By that, I'd be my sister and her boyfriend. Because... You know, I'm not hanging out with a lot of people, <laughs> but that, it, it tore the fucking roof off. That movie rules. Sorry, Bad Trip. Someone's got to recommend Bad Trip to people. All right. But I mean, I guess I'll give Scary Movie some credit in that it follows Scream very very closely and mm. then makes jokes along the way. Mm. You know, that it, it is a specific parody of a specific movie. With like a couple, some other references thrown in for like you no know, good. The, the Waynes have done the, have done this recently. A haunted house. It's like mm-hmm. it's it's it, it weirdly might become their bread and butter as long as horror movies keep staying cool, which they weren't yeah, for a while. Yeah. yeah, but but yeah, when you when you stick to the template that works, and then you're making jokes within that template, mm-hmm. it's a lot funnier than if you're just having stupid random shit like epic movie or whatever they just have stupid random mm-hmm. shit that happens all over the place where it's yeah, like they, they make jokes about the trailers because they don't assume people have yeah. seen the movies they're making fun of it's, oh, it's yeah. the worst good point yeah it's the worst yeah uh and, and there is something uh, in here yeah. i could write an article about this is the death of airplane naked gun style mm-hmm. horror movies because this mm-hmm. yeah none of those really were able to capture number one the way scary movie did like this movie was everywhere this summer mm-hmm. i remember mm-hmm. i remember Marlon and Sean Wayne's hosting the MTV Movie Awards and making fun of Jim Carrey for not being asked because his movie was not number one at the way their their movie mm. was. And like, yeah, this was this is the number one comedy of the summer. It is. Yep. It it absolutely is. <sighs> and then we've got four more. 
Uh, wow. Five more. I think there's five. There's more, at least yeah. five more, and, then, wow. and th- th- they separately move into a haunted house when they no longer want to be associated with the Weinstein's, mm. <laughs> who also helped make this movie possible. Let's move into some television. 2000 July. Uh, what is it? July 3rd to the 9th. Big Brother debuts. Mm-hmm. This is the second. The second strike in the new uh, network reality wave, and yeah. I, I don't know anything mm-hmm. about Big Brother. I, I really don't either. We just talked about Survivor, mm-hmm. which is huge. Mm-hmm. And now Big Brother, arguably the second biggest reality television program, I think, that kind of set the tone for almost everything else. I mean, I think Big Brother, you know, is a bunch of strangers living in a house together. There's some sort of method of elimination that I don't really understand. I think audiences all. vote maybe, yeah. but I'm not mm-hmm. sure. And the cameras are always on and you can stream. Yeah. I remember at the time you can stream this on at some point you could stream oh, yeah. this online and watch them yes. when the cameras were off. My hairstylist is a fan. She was telling me that like, <clears throat> yeah, you can like, you can watch like another several hours a day of big brother. That's just like streaming from the house, which is just kind of wild. To I, me. I remember re- as of recent, Omarosa, Omarosa's revelations about the president after she left uh, his his administration didn't occur in her book. It occurred when she was just rambling on Big Brother. Celebrity Big Brother? Yeah. Is that a thing? One of those yeah. things, yeah. She was on, yeah. Yeah, like, because she was clearly saving it for the book, but like, you know, got to talk about something. And because <laughs> they, they intentionally leave you without a television so you could just communicate with your roommates. Yeah, I mean, my. Torture, only- in other words. My only knowledge of Big Brother comes from me watching The Challenge, MTV's The Challenge, <laughs> where now they have run out. They don't really have real world or road rules, obviously, anymore. Mm. So now they're just bringing in people from like Big Brother. And I guess because maybe wow. it's all Viacom. I'm not sure. But yeah, it's a, it's a phenomenon that is still going that I do not. I've never seen an episode of. I don't really understand. So. It uh, it could be, could be, but I, I reached out to our <laughs> yeah. buddy Kevin for the next uh, entry on Television 2000. Yeah. Also, do you know how many Big Brother franchises there are? Oh, it's a Ooh, foreign a foreign phenomenon. Yeah, everyone. Well, because mm-hmm. it's cheap as hell. Yep. So everyone's yeah. got one. Uh, counting the like celebrity ones, mm-hmm. uh, I've lost count somewhere in the 80s, and like officially speaking, it's something like 60 countries. Mm-hmm. Wow! 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 Have their own Big Brother, their own Big Brother follow-ups, Celebrity Big Brother, all that shit. And I thought I remember mm-hmm. reading something like in England, it's much bigger because oh yeah, the internet aspect because their internet infrastructure is wildly better than ours and has been <laughs> for fucking decades. Uh, the the internet component worked really well over there out of the gate. So like it's a much it's more popular there than the Survivor is over there. Uh, here, vice versa. Hmm. And I reached out to our buddy Kevin to talk about the last Monster Vision with Joe Bob Briggs. Oh, uh, a bunch of people have been reaching out to me about this, and I was like, I know. Yeah, it, it's a it's a <laughs> bummer because I I even asked Kevin like, was there any? Because our buddy Kevin, who runs Cap City, he's been on a bunch of Laser Time shows. He loves this man and and uh, like amplifies everything he does on Shutter, including the Last Drive In, which is a great great show. And I just wanted to see, like, did he get a good send off? Because they clearly, nope. did they? He had to have known the show is canceled, uh, and it's he, he he doesn't give it away on camera. But Kevin says, like, no, people knew the there was an internet, and people knew, 
he's he's showing the Children of the Corn Part Two, the final sacrifice, which I believe he said features the best of both worlds, children and corn. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> Joe Bob Briggs rules, and it's, it's the best yeah. reason to subscribe to Shutter. Uh, but Monster Vision, it it didn't originally have Joe Bob Briggs in it, uh, but his the Movie Channel show was popular enough that he was pushed into it by 96 and for four years cable had a famous monster movie host and i think that's mm. uh before like sven Gulli, we we still have on on me tv but like a horror movie host is a really really fun thing to be in love with and it's 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 not unlike your uh i, I i'm too young to know about like the the clown who hosts your cartoon shows but like mm-hmm. Everybody who has a, a, a horror host they like, they will love that person for decades. Mm-hmm. And that person, well, by the way, costs nothing. Keep those shows on the air at all times. I want to pitch ours to our local fucking oh, <laughs> stations. Don't worry, we already have one. I met those guys at our last um, Tallahassee Infinicon. Last oh, we did. Year. Yep, we have a horse. Yeah, because my, my sister do. just did a, a Shakespeare Shakespeare Night Live in the, in the era of COVID a Saturday Night Live parody with all Shakespeare stuff broadcast live. And oh. they're like, they, <laughs> it was, don't make real. fun of my sister's shit because they, <laughs> they sold out all their ad inventory, even though like PBS ass shit, right? There. It was some CBS <laughs> la- ass shit. It was airing instead of last Sheldon. You bitch. Talk all right. Fine. <laughs> I take it all back. And I love your sister very much. <laughs> Uh, I didn't get to hear Jake's uh, monologue, no. but uh, but but yeah, like uh, horror hosts are one of those things that are sort of bygone. But people who gravitate to that, man, I have never seen bigger fans of anything. But Monster Vision on TNT because TNT originally launched with like we have no original programming; it's all yeah. old stuff. We have, we have an MGM library, though. Yeah, yeah. Penn and Teller were the original hosts of of Monster Vision, oh, cool. I believe. Like they would they would just introduce a block of. Five hours, six hours of B nineteen fifties movies, and when that wasn't confined to just TCM and Comet, it used to be on every channel. <laughs> and what differentiated it was the host. And Joe Bob Briggs stands above all of those other hosts. He does. Mm-hmm. He's a he's a articulate hillbilly proponent of of wonderfully bad cinema. He's a great yeah. person, and yeah, I encourage. Sometimes they wouldn't even run bad movies. Yeah. And I mean, just the, the thing is that, you know, he would he would host the movies and he's coming uh, in and out of commercials. Sometimes he'd come on and talk about what was happening in the movie or talk about uh, mm-hmm. some tidbits and everything. And I remember watching The Elephant Man on yeah. and he had some like amazing behind the scenes stories about like, yeah, how did David Lynch get hired to direct it? Did you know it's produced by Mel, Mel Brooks, Brooks and how he didn't want anyone to know, you know, that it was him because they thought it was a comedy and like how they did the makeup tests and like the guy who had like curated the bones of, of John Merrick like saw the makeup and cried. He was so happy and it's like this is really interesting tidbits. Thank you, Joe Bob. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Usually it'd have more, you know, him talking about whether there was going to be nurse foo in it or not, but. <laughs> I haven't seen all of his uh, Shutter stuff, but it, he really is one of the the best people you might not know about. Great books, great public speaker, a really great proponent of schlock. Um, yep. I love this and man. They they just announced the other day that apparently a lot of the Monster Vision stuff is going to DVD. Really? Finally, cool. twenty cool. years later. It's it's like it's about fifteen back. minutes per movie. He yeah. he he talks and and tells old timey jokes and. New timey jokes about the film totals up how many 
how many nuts were <laughs> crushed in this sequence. It's good <laughs> shit, man. It's it's a great thing to like hold your attention while commercials are interrupting a great movie. <laughs> yeah. And exactly. uh he's one of the best of those people in my lifetime. Shout out to Monster Vision and everyone who cares about it. Uh, especially Kevin Cole and Caps people at Cap City Video Lounge for real. And Sex in the City You'll have to describe this to me. Inadvertently launches uh, the cupcake trend by eating uh, in front of Magnolia Bakery. <sighs> 20 years of Magnolia Bakery making bank with lines out the fucking door from giggling girls who like Cosmos and Apple teenies. Yes. And gay men. Yes. Okay. And a lot of gay men. All right. You're right. Uh, that was unnecessarily harsh of me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's just this weird thing where like they just have a scene out in front of this bakery and they're like, oh, these cupcakes are so good. And it's like becomes a fucking thing for 20 years. Uh, isn't that a joke on like 30 Rock or Kimmy Schmidt where they're like they can't get away from the Sex in the City tour because they're trying to eat cupcakes <laughs> <Yeah>. or something? <laughs> yeah, I, um, I go back and forth on Sex in the City, but many times I feel like, <gasps> why? Hmm. And yeah. also, I don't love cupcakes because there's literally no attractive way to eat a cupcake. No, I mean, how do you do it? I don't know. Like, put it on the you tip of a banana. Like- put it on the tip of a banana. Just throat that thing. Oh, <laughs> I don't like any of that. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, depending on the frosting, I mean, I think a lot of the fro- a lot of frosting sucks, and I would just like cut most of it off. Yeah, I'm at usually least a- half scrape the frosting off i've also found Mm. that if you like maybe cut the cupcake in half i've seen this as a life hack and then put Mm -hmm. the the cupcake stump on back on top and then make a cupcake sandwich oh yeah i like that it makes way more sense you cannot eat all that frosting without balancing it out with some bread some yeah. colored bread because sure. <laughs> that's all <laughs> the bottom of a cupcake is. <laughs> Some funfetti bread. <laughs> uh, dude, I looked up games for this period. There is literally almost nothing that was released in this period. I'll go further into oh. it, patreon.com slash laser time. But summer used to be a time where games stayed away from. People are at camps and doing other things. No one would play games as their primary hobby. There are movies being shown. It was a different <laughs> world. For real. And, well, and guess what? Maybe it's time for them to bring that back because nobody's going anywhere and right. nobody's seeing movies. Right. It's, it's why Animal Crossing has like literally become a household name despite this being like the seventh version of that game. It only happened mm-hmm. now. And <laughs> Anyway, well, we will close out with You Saying to Me by Mark Anthony off of the charts this week. Um, I don't know this song, but hey, I know the 2010s, so stick around, people. All the while you were in front of me, I never I just can't believe I didn't see it in your eyes I didn't see it I can't believe it Oh, but I feel it When you sing to me Mrs. Internet and all the ships at sea. It's time for Diana's Classic Corner. We look even further back in time this week to see if there's anything worth a watching. And for the week of July 3rd through 9th, happy 4th of July everybody! Uh, I had some recommendations this week for uh, two movies turning 60 years old. Uh, Inherit the Wind about the Scopes Monkey Trial and Elmer Gantry. Uh, which is a great movie about well, the precursor to a televangelist. Uh, they're both great movies and 
A lot of fun, but they're not like my favorite, favorite movies. But as many people messaged me on Twitter knowing, knowing this was coming uh, when we saw the news that Carl Reiner passed away at age 98, uh, it's hard when one of your heroes goes. And it was especially hard because he hated Trump so much, you guys, and he just needed to go six more months. But oh well. So obviously this week I have to recommend a whole bunch of stuff from Carl Reiner. First of all, if you just go on YouTube, you will find all kinds of appearances like on Conan. He would show up on Conan all the time. Conan loved having him on. He'd tell fun stories. Anytime he and Mel Brooks are anywhere, they're just going to start riffing. It's amazing. Going all the way back to your show of shows with Sid Caesar, like in the 50s, there's some sketches you can find on YouTube uh, and they're just a ton of fun. 2000 year old man the album or anytime they do it on the tonight show anything like that he also had an incredible run four movies with steve martin uh, they are fucking awesome four in a row from 1979 to 1984 he did the jerk dead men don't wear plaid man with two brains and all of me and they are so freaking funny i especially love dead men don't wear plaid because of course i would because it takes clips from old film noirs and gangster movies and edits them together so that Steve Martin is now a character in them. I don't know why more people haven't tried to do this. I mean, now with digital editing, it's so much easier and only three companies like own everything. So why not just put her in there? Come on. This would be so much fun. Anyway, Demon Don't Wear Plaid. Really, really funny. The Jerk, if you've never seen it, oh my god, is its reputation precedes it and is true. And Oh, yeah, it's been a hard week for me, guys. And now I'm seeing his very last movie was uh, appearing as Carl Rhinoceros in Toy Story 4, and that's really sweet. Anyway, yes, please go dig into Carl Reiner's filmography, even going back to Enter Laughing, Where's Papa? Pff, fucking even Fatal Instinct has a couple good gags in it. Anyway, that's it for this week. R.I.P. Stay classic. <laughs> Coming yes. in with uh, the gun show off of a star-crossed wasteland by in this moment, and all I can think started, of, all I can think of is off with that sigh, please. <laughs> I, I had a giant sigh, and just like, are we really going to push our chips on white people forever? Like, like there's only so much music that can come out of us. Like, uh, this is awful. There, and this is this is mass culture to a T. I'm. I'm so mad in HD! (laughs) But it's female-fronted. I know. Screaming thrash metal. I know. And that's kind of a novelty. You'd think there would be a lot more women screaming angrily in music. There should be. Yeah, only the woman in uh, Gimme Shelter. Goddamn. I had no idea she was screaming rape and murder at the top (laughs) of her lungs. I had no idea those were the lyrics. Yeah, she was, I believe, just there in curlers screaming. in her pajamas, just screaming rape and murder until her voice went out. Uh, anyway, I love Martin Scorsese movies. New releases, 2010. Uh, 2010, July 3rd through the 9th. Uh, Euphoria by Enrique Iglesias in another decade? Get yeah. away. Uh, wow, Sky wow. at Night by I Am Clute. Uh, and The Wild Trapeze by Incubus frontman 
Brandon Boyd. I wish I could not laugh through that. Did the Incubus guy go rogue? Like, he did. Oh, no. See, one of the other reasons why I went with In This Moment was normally if there's not a song that jumps out at me from the new releases, I start going through the top 100. Usually the top 20. Okay, what's a song that never made it to number one, but everybody knows? And for 2010, it's they just all sit there forever. It's every single song that's in the top 20 we've already played because it's already been number one. Mm. They just sit there forever. Like California Girls with a U by Cape Hair. Right. This is the third week. It just Ugh. sits there. Featuring Snip D. Uh, <laughs> and uh, 2010... This is the most I ever learned about sports because LeBron James, fast, I've never watched him play a game, but how good no. everyone thinks he is fascinates uh, me. Yes. Uh, oh, I've never watched professional basketball, yep. but I do enjoy LeBron James me too. quite a bit. Uh, his, <laughs> He's very I, I, good I almost wreck. bought a shirt when, uh, <laughs> when uh, uh, Steffi Mouthpiece from the Warriors, what's his name? Uh, <laughs> Uh, didn't refuse to go to the White House oh. after they won the championships for the Warriors. Uh, Steph Curry, yeah, yeah, Steph Curry, and then and then, and then he's like, he's Steffi like, he, and the the president, as a very very deferential diplomat, said, "Well, you're not invited anyway." And LeBron's like, "You bum!" He just said he wasn't coming, and he's <laughs> capital U bum to the president. <laughs> like LeBron, you're my favorite person in the universe. And, <laughs> I'll never yeah. forget that. And then Bill Corbett from Mystery Science Theater says, LeBron, I dare you to challenge the president to a basketball game and see what he says. Because I, <laughs> I promise, I promise it'll be like, you know, I was a pretty good basketball player. <laughs> yeah, I'd probably be – could the president deny that he's a could – he, could, he, could he say to the public that he's not as good a basketball player as LeBron? And like everyone's like, no, no it's impossible. No, he would never be able to say that. No, everything he does is the greatest, the best, the most yeah. beautiful, wonderful, I think it would gorgeous. just end up be like the – it would end up being like the fun exchange we got to see uh, this past week between Hellboy and – who is it? <laughs> Oh, Ted, Ted, Ted Cruz. Cruz. <laughs> uh, Ron Perlman, I just want to send you $5. Yeah, Thank man. you for entertaining me. Yeah, man, I wish that guy had a Patreon and wasn't rich already. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, that it makes me laugh so much. And I, I like LeBron a lot. I think he's um, one of the best examples we have of sports from a perspective of someone who doesn't like sports. Mm -hmm. but, but this is the anniversary of the heel turn. Right. Where he goes to leave to an, another team for money, but he does go back to Cleveland. And mm -hmm. I'm only saying that because I want to plug Dave Chappelle's 846, where as someone who's living in Ohio, and he's like, we understand. Come back when you come back when you get the chance. Uh, we get it. <laughs> well, go, go also, too, I mean, for professional sports athletes, I kind of have a hard time getting mad at them for any choices that they make to go to any city because they're – careers are by necessity extremely short yep. so they should yeah. go to wherever they can get the most money before they blow their droids out their droids droids yep. <laughs> oh, okay. yeah no i i totally agree with that too but i mean he's from ohio right I, that's the added thing that he was from ohio he was drafted straight out of high school mm -hmm. to cleveland mm -hmm. and he had been there since 2003 it's oh no, it's a big deal. It's definitely a big deal, and I totally get how Ohio would yeah. be uh, salty about it. But yeah. I remember hearing about that and thinking, like, dude, you if you're 
if you have a time clock on how much time you can spend in your career, you got to go where the money is. Whatever. Yep. He, he makes I his agree. money in other states and then he spends his money in Ohio. LeBron, LeBron's pretty good with that. And, good. And, and, That's how you do it. And there's, there's, I don't think there's any athlete who's done anything as cool as what LeBron James has done. And he also <laughs> wants to make a Friday the Thirteenth movie. And I don't know anything about this dude, uh, it, like sports wise, except that he's in a new Space Jam movie. And <laughs> anyway, anyway, anyway. Anyway. Well, Trainwreck was great. He was so good at that. Yeah, man. Yep. I, 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 I like this guy a lot, and I, I don't like sports. So I'm saying I like LeBron mm-hmm. James. Um, uh, Predators is out this week. And and why did you put this name in here like this, Diana? You have to say. I it. want everyone no. to see there is there's more name. So okay. to, to one of our our, our greatest actors uh, right one, now. One of our greatest actors right now, mm-hmm. two time Oscar winner. Now uh, most people know him as Mahershala Ali. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's only like half his name. <laughs> um, before he used to go by M Ali mm-hmm. for a while, but his full name is. Meher- <laughs> ah, <laughs> ah, Mahershala Hashbaz Ali. That is a biblical name. God specifically tells, I think, the prophet Isaiah, have a child and name it Mahershala Hashbaz. Good. So Mama Ali did. Uh, I love it. Mahershala, Mahershala Ali is the, the, the biggest mark of quality I have towards anything in the last five years. If that dude's mm-hmm. in a thing, watch it. Mm. Watch it. Yep, even mm-hmm. Green Book. Even even Green Book, for, uh, yeah. but but also especially holy shit, fucking uh, well not True Detective, True Detective, oh, and and, my God, and Moonlight. And, yes, yeah. mm-hmm. God, Moonlight was good. And uh, I want to go watch and, those and and the first season of Luke Cage. The second he leaves Luke Cage, the show sucks. Ah, oh, that's true. And uh, House of Cards. Yes, and House of Cards. Ah. Mm-hmm. But Predators yep. is a movie I don't hate. It's 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 the second best Predator movie in my opinion. Yeah, but that bar, she's yeah. on the floor. Remember what so I said? About, remember what, remember what I said about the the best bad Die Hard? Um, yeah. Predators. Oh my God, you're right. We have a theme going. Predators. Here. It's not that it's good, but it's fun and it's bad. It's not just a theme. If you're a comic fan, I've said for years, um, Dark Horse is responsible for why Predator and the Alien series are important. They're 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 the reason why Alien versus Predator exist. And, and this week, Disney pulled the license for uh, Dark Horse after 30 years. Hmm. The, the people who have been telling Predator and Alien stories after 30 years, uh, their license has been pulled uh, hmm. from Disney. Aww. And I'm incredibly disappointed because like, this doesn't matter to everyone. But the people who care have been serviced outside of movies. Um, and the, 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 the best Predator two we got is this one and it's still flawed and embarrassing <laughs> it's it, it is good it is good it's worth watching i swear i love it i love it but uh the the idea of predator being a uh, race of aliens that just loves to hunt things whether they're people mm-hmm. or not uh and somehow rigged a planet to kidnap people who've done naughty things and go to a planet where predators hunt them um Adrian Brody as a leading man bothers me to an incredible degree. <laughs> uh, Topher Grace revealing himself as a serial killer is like, bitch, we already knew that shit. Like, <laughs> like, like, like about you in general. Like, uh, Please tell me at least my friend Sir Walton Goggins like 
gets through this unscathed. No, nobody yeah, does. It's, it's a predator like movie. Uh, it's predators. Uh, it's uh, predators, baby. I, I love Sir Walton Goggins. That's the last thing you remember. All of a sudden, there was a light, and then I was falling. Who are you? I was in combat. Black Ops. Yakuza. Who would do this to us? It's it's the best it's the best Predator sequel. Now, I I haven't seen the Predator from mm-hmm. 2018, the Shane Black one, mm-hmm. which I'm curious about because I I enjoy Shane Black. We mentioned him already on it's, the show. Diana, uh, Diana, you will hate it. You will hate it so uh, hard. Yeah, um, I have the tiniest soft spot for Alien versus Predator Requiem in particular. Yikes! Because mm. it is so disgusting <laughs> they go full because alien versus predator um has some fun ideas in it but it's like pg-13 and it ends up sucking um even though i think it's got sanaa lathan as the main person i like her a lot but and then aliens versus predator requiem they go way far on the other side and it is really disgusting all of the time <laughs> and i kind of appreciate those as like as schlock i appreciate it and I like this idea of, yeah, the most dangerous game of all, man. <laughs> but when you compare hunting them to like hunting aliens, it's kind of not that impressive. Right. And it actually, <laughs> um, I don't want to be pedantic here, but it doesn't make sense because like dragging people away from their homes who are also not hunters hmm. and then putting them in an environment they're not familiar with, like, isn't what the predators do. Hmm. that's not what they get off on. And this movie makes yeah. no sense from, <laughs> from get go. Uh, sorry. I'm not the biggest, like I saw predator for the first time, like when I was like 25 and I think it's one Ooh. of the most perfect films I've ever seen in my life. It's gorgeous. Uh, so I won't pretend to be, uh, I care that much, but Diane is here to mm-hmm. stand for the illumination fans. <laughs> <out there>. Uh, <sighs> Russell Brand, Dana Gallo, uh, Miranda Cosgrove, Will Arnett, Justin, uh, Kristen Wiig, and Jason Siegel of C. Carell. Despicable Me debuts this week. Fuck. On July 9th, get ready for two supervillains, three unstoppable forces, what is this doing? and a cast of minions. We are going to steal the food! <laughs> Hey, not cool. Steve Carell is groomed in a comedy so huge, we had to shrink it down. Little tiny toilet for a little tiny baby to do. Ah! Despicable Me. Curse you, tiny toilet! In 3D, rated PG. Mm. Oof. Mm. Okay, look. It begins! Do I hate the minion theme, meme sort of situation that's happening? Yes. However, do I absolutely enjoy despicable me as a movie franchise yes i do i'm sorry i no, think it's no, I th- very I th- I fun the first movie is very good and charming steve Carell is a grew is a great character absolutely i i love it honestly like i i, I think I, I, I saw this in the theater and i absolutely was delighted by it i will state unequivocally anybody who is entertained by the minions has never seen a cartoon in their lives <laughs> but 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 like 
I, I, I know I'm guilty of finding myself annoyed with Despicable Me fandom because of uh, how ill-informed I feel the public is about cartoons regarding the minions. And that's not mm. – it's a stupid position. It's a Wait, stupid – what do you mean by that? Uh, because uh, – Okay, so if I could, if I could, if I could say this the clearest way possible, and I never thought I'd be confronted on this uh, <laughs> on the podcast, uh, silent cartoon characters have been a thing mm-hmm. forever, mm-hmm. but not in the last twenty years. So the minions not being able to say words and do funny things like overshadows the billions of cartoon characters who have done that for a really Whoa. long time. And the, the, there has no, I don't know though. I mean, I do think that there is like a legacy of that. I mean, look at um, Aladdin's little friend and Pocahontas's raccoon friend. Dude, do not and... fucking throw this shit at me. I'll throw you all these names and tell you why they're awesome. But I mean, I'm just saying, like you're talking. But, but about, the, like, the minions are less of... funny than all of the, all of those characters in their worst moments. The minions are less funny than that. I know. I'm just saying. It's why you're, I, it's... Say, you're saying that the. It hasn't really existed like in the past, but it, it has. A silent, I mean, a silent cartoon character has not. And you're, you're talking about movies from like 1999. Like yeah. it's it's uh it, it's, no, no, it's no. been a couple Even of years earlier than that. Yeah, no. it's it's been a couple of years, and yeah. and 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 when I see this, I'm like, oh, silent cartoon. I think it's people realizing that like these silent, dumb cartoon characters can be funny, and like, yeah, duh. They're, they're not silent. Yeah. They're just kind of. Well, they, sorry, in, inexplicable. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but I hate Which, them. I just, I think they're they're fine in little doses. Yes. is how I feel about it. Those movies but, are terrible. The the minions movies but, are, are but the people worst. People have you know they just love them because it's very you know simple, childlike kind of humor cute. and very cute. Yeah, it's cute. It's nonverbal. It's all physical. It's it's cute. Um, yeah, I mean, I I guess it's like the basic bitchedness of it, where mm-hmm. it's like. People acting like this is the, like a new thing, Chris. Yes, I feel thank like you. is that what you're you're mad about? It's like people like this is new, and of course it it well, isn't. No, no. But, when, I, when I first saw it, and like I'm like I cannot believe this is the thing real reviewers are talking about as if it's funny because it's mm. like it's derivative and not very funny at all. Talk about the minions specifically. The minions spe- spe- specifically because I love Steve Carell's performance as group. Yeah, exactly. Same I, I think here. that's great. Like, but, but once the, the minions became a phenomenon and unavoidable and like and this is like four years ago, so I'm not trying to yell about something that annoyed me several years ago, but like the minions being elevated to this this merchandising thing, like mm. you don't want to talk about any other silent animated character at all. Like no, like this you, fucking You know what really it is bothers me. I've- I, I finally figured this out because I was going back to watch clips because I remember really enjoying this movie. Yeah. And being I like, but do. everyone just makes the fucking minions. And I realized the minions role in our society now mm-hmm. with like memes and bumper stickers or stickers on cars or whatever. It's just Tweety Bird, but 30 years later. Oh my God, yeah. yes. Yeah. But, it's but, the same but, fucking but like, But like corporately ordained, we're like. Yeah, cute thing, corporately ordained and yellow, and you're just sort of projecting whatever it is on it, like, oh, back off, man. And it's like, <laughs> Tweety never fucking said that. Why are you focusing on th- Is yeah. it just the color yellow? Tweety, <laughs> Tweety never peed on my Chevy logo. Never. <laughs> never. Uh, no, but it's, anyway, it's, it's, so an, let's, it's let's an animation beef, but like, it's not fair because like the Despicable Me movies are objectively good yeah exactly that's the the thing that's upsetting to me is that i do think that they get 
the idea of Despicable Me gets a bad rap because the, the, the of minions how movie the minions is, have presented in pop culture and been co-opted by, I don't know, weird moms from the Midwest. The Illumination you know. Naughty. <laughs> yeah. Like, why, why are these minions crying and praying in front of an American flag? <laughs> why on earth is this minion pissing? Why is this minion pissing on Dale Earnhardt's number? Like, the Illumination Naughty is the, uh, the best. <laughs> Uh, like, like, uh, but the actual movies are are great. fine, are great, funny, heartwarming. Except for the I, Minions movie, which is fucking oh, awful. I didn't see that. Yeah, yeah I, 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 I only I into Despicable it. Me. And when yeah. I saw Despicable Me, and, and it's like I know, I know, and the sequel is also. I great. know why animation people think this should be funny, but this is the least funny version of silent characters who can't talk I've ever seen. I don't know why the public is gravitating towards this. I don't. I don't know why this is a merchandising phenomenon. It fucking irritates me. I hate it. Yeah. Uh, it's one of those things too, though. That's like, how does anything catch fire like in society as like a phenomenon? Yeah, yeah. Like, mm-hmm. and, I, and, I I, and I'm wrong, even... and I and I don't have the answers, and I'm constantly proven wrong and an idiot. And I don't. I hate having to, to even talk about it now because if you like the minions, I don't. I don't I don't have any beef with you. Like, we have truck with them. Yeah, but I think I think what it is is that like um, probably the minions were screen tested a bunch, and uh, what is it called when you get a bunch of people in the room to like review something? Focused. Focus groups. Thank you. Yeah. They were probably focus grouped like a yeah. bunch to. I I assume that's probably. why. Besides the minions, well, let's just no. Get Gru- away from Gru's them. a great Sorry. character. This, I love Steve Carell's yeah. Gru. I. I yeah. love how weirdly European this movie yeah. feels. <laughs> like the design and not just the crazy accent. Steve Carell's bizarre accent, but there, mm-hmm. there's just something about the design that especially his character that just feels like really oddly European. And it's like, oh, the filmmakers are French. That actually makes some sense. Well, it also like, like it feels very close to a movie that we talked, not very close, but I, I feel flavors from a movie we talked about last week, which is Rocky and Bullwinkle. Mm-hmm. Huh. That same sort of like villain that's like dark, but goofy also. Like, I, I don't know. I feel like that's a little bit of a predecessor there. Yeah. Hmm. I yeah. get it. But I mean, yeah. And supervillains are always more fun mm-hmm. than superheroes, uh, especially ones that have like regular human problems. Like, mm-hmm. Having to raise some kids or uh, having to go shopping and, like, stumbling across their nemesis shopping. Um, <laughs> shit like that. You know, it's like, well, if you like Despicable Me, uh, give yourself a couple of years it's, it's, and then go watch, like, Venture Brothers. That's a lot of the it's same a, idea of this being, a, like, someone's job. It's such mm-hmm. a bummer for me because, like, um, I could easily recommend the movie, but because of how the minions were taken, like, I feel on the defensive as an animation person. Don't. Uh, I don't. know, I know, I know. I'm saying I'm the problem. I don't am the problem. A, don't let the I'm trying the thing ruin a thing to. for you, which is a problem I have. But I'm trying I'm yeah. trying not to. It is all with me. And if you like this movie, you have no reason to fucking regret it at all. Because uh, it's a, it's yeah, a perfectly it's fine movie. Delightful. It's way better than Megamind. That movie's legit terrible. Ew. Oh yeah, that, we're coming up on it. Yeah. I think that's an interesting comparison. It yeah. Really is. So if you like this, we're not trashing it. And if you just looked at this and like, oh, this is a bunch of stupid baby shit with the minions going, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I don't no, want to seem like it's the, actually worth watching. The old yeah, guy who hates shot. your movie because like 
Now, the minions are annoying to me, and they're annoying in the first movie. I've watched it three times. I was like, why is this funny to people? Like, it fucking baffles me. It baffles me. Like, and the rest, the rest of the movie is really good. Yeah, it's all the yeah. other stuff. I mean, it's very – just like Hotel Transylvania is Excellent. great. Excellent movie. Very, very, very good. I love Hotel Transylvania so much. Um, but, yeah, it's the same sort of family where – yeah. it You just got to get past, like – the way it was marketed, which is baby shit. And mm-hmm. it, there's actually some really funny, very sweet stuff in there. Is it? Is there no TV? I had nothing. I'm sorry. I didn't do TV research because I didn't have internet until like... Yeah. All right, we didn't have any anything for TV, uh, video games. We will talk about this more on patreon.com slash laser time. Pa- uh, Persona 3, Tournament of Champions from uh, hi, um, High Voltage Studios and Crackdown 2 are out this week. Uh, a lot of interesting follow-ups from uh, well-known studios. Just to give a couple plugs out, this show is executive produced by uh, Justin Allen and many other fine people at patreon.com slash laser time. Uh, we can't thank you guys enough for doing that. Uh, we have uh, a brand new episode of the video game edition of the show. We are not denying you video games in this show, but like nothing notable released. And uh, I have to dig in and, and figure out what arcade flyers tell tell you mm. things released this week um in the 80s and uh what indie stuff happened in the 2010s uh it's 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 an interesting 20 year gap and you can follow me at listening nerd on twitter l e c i n e n e r d follow us uh the show 302010 podcast 302010podcast where Oh my God, we have a lineup for next week, 1990. Yes, it's going to be great. Holy crap. We have a really, really bad vehicle for a bad stand-up. We have an underrated vehicle for uh, a national treasure. And Mm. it's only directorial film, Bill Murray, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of the most popular movies uh, of the year that I still hear referenced all the time. And extremely cool. iconic. Very iconic. Can't get away from Unchained Melody, that's for fucking sure. Ooh, girl. I learned it for my first guitar concert. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Uh, you want to hear about you want to hear about who, who was born and died? Yeah. Because celebrity deaths, nobody! Whoa! Woo! Yay, we got a, a famous person death-free week. And also, if you were following along, yes, Olivia de Havilland made it to 104. My sister Woo! shared a, an article about Olivia de Havilland <laughs> turning 104. It's like, RIP. I'm like, she didn't die. It was just like, it, it was saying she, happy birthday. I saw that. And I wanted to be like, oh, honey. Dude, everyone, no, no, comment, no. everyone commenting at her like, she's not dead. And she's like, I know it's so sad. It was, it was, it was the most mom thing I've ever seen my sister do. He's younger than me. <laughs> but Olivia yeah. Havlin is still with us and willing to talk. So, um, yeah. podcasters, get out there. Dish. Oh, She's willing to dish, apparently. Yeah, man. Tell, mm-hmm. Ask her about Robin Hood. Robin Hood is one of the few movies that makes me erect as a man. Like, Robin Hood <laughs> rules. Diana knows what I'm talking about. Like, and in, in terms of pure adventure with nothing, like yes. no filler, like Robin Hood you, is fucking. Are you talking about the part where Robin Hood goes behind this sheet and he's like acting things out and the sword <laughs> rises up? I, 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 I just experienced uh, like priapism and Robin diarrhea at the same time because of what you just described. 
Oh, gross. Well, I had a great joke about Robin Hood Men in Tights, so thanks a lot. <laughs> Robin Hood Men in Tights. It's a good movie if you've never seen another Ro- if you've never seen Robin Hood. Um Yeah. It- yeah, go see Adventures of Robin Hood. So 37, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And still like works 80 plus years later. Yeah, and that lady's still alive 80 plus years later. Anyway, I think it's time for a birthday quiz. I think it's time. <laughs> Oh, birthday is a doodly-doo, a ding-dong, doodly-doodly-ding-dong-doo. This was uh, some research in. It's it's not often where you find a quote from a person's biographer who calls their childhood Dickensian. (gasps) And they're still with us. (gasps) Olivia de Havilland! No. I mean, hers was interesting, but no. Uh, Born July 7th, 1940, in a part of Liverpool called Dingle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dad abandoned the family when he was a toddler, and then when he was six, he got peritonitis after an appendectomy and was in a coma, followed by a year in the hospital. Is it Bill John Nye. Lennon? I didn't. I heard Bill Nye. What was the other one? John Lennon. No. Oh. Then when he was thirteen, after that year in the hospital, he got tuberculosis and was back in the hospital for another two years. Mm, so, my cocaine. Uh, he, no. So he basically dropped out of school because there was no way for him to catch up. So he became a machinist and he joined a skiffle band as a washboard player because they had no actual oh, instruments. Uh, Emmett Otter. Is that a real person? No. Oh. Stephen Fry. Uh, no. Then he moved up to the big time playing with Rory Storm and the Hurricanes, who had previously been called the Raging Texans, even though they were none of them had ever been to Texas. Mick Jagger. Nope. Keith Richards. Since then, he has sold 600 million albums. Eric Clapton? Elton John. Nope. Some of his songs include Photograph, Don't Pass Me By, and I Want to Be Your Man. Nickelback! Oh, I heard Photograph. I got excited. (laughs) (laughs) How about Act Naturally, It Don't Come Easy, With a Little Help From Me, Friends? Ringo Starr. And Octopus's Garden. It is Sir Ringo Starr. Ringo Starr. I have okay. a massive new appreciation for him. <laughs> so now, oh, you were in the hospital for three whole fucking years in your childhood. Yeah, and yeah. Ringo, everyone makes fun of Ringo. Like, he's a big doofus. Uh, I feel like we don't appreciate that he is, like, the easygoing dude. He has been married to Barbara Bach for 40 years. Mm-hmm. Um, he's fully owned up to, like, his alcoholism. He's admitted, like, he used to rough up his first wife when he was drunk and that that was horrible. Cool. And, he is like made amends about like being a cool dude. Mm-hmm. He's just happy to be here, and he's well, eighty. There's no cooler beetle beetle besides George Harrison. You said beetle because <laughs> I might have had a bottle of champagne while we were beetle. Okay, so yeah, let's let's all appreciate Ringo a little bit. Everyone's happy it. to see him. He was on Train Time Station. Some of his uh, his solo work is good. It's like real good. <laughs> Di- Every one of these has a Ron Burgundy teleprompter question mark when Diana says it. <laughs> Everything ends in a question mark. It's good. Uh, he's great. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. Like, I, I, and I'm a big Beatles fan, and I've always just sort of ranked Ringo as, and he was also there. And <laughs> I feel bad. I have not appreciated Ringo That's enough. That's rude. Look at his cute little earring. Look at yeah. me. I'm also a millionaire. Dancy, dancy. <laughs> dancy, dancy. Yes, I'll charge your parents $200 for a concert ticket. 
You will, you may not get your cap and gown because your parents wanted to go here for 40 minutes. <laughs> Leave the man alone. I don't have me fight you over Ringo. That'd be the dumbest reason to fight you. I don't have many <laughs> other many impressions. Anyone, I don't have many better impressions anyone will accept. Like, allow me to talk like this. I prefer if you pivot this one into uh, notorious asshole John Lennon. <laughs> oh, well, you don't understand. Ringo, he just, like, wanted to pay his mortgage. Yeah. Actually, you know what? Honestly, I think the best story I know to appreciate Ringo was that things were really contentious when they were doing the White Album, and there was a point where Ringo was like, apparently y'all want me to quit, so I'm going to quit. And that was the moment the other three realized, oh no. We love Ringo. We, we hurt Ringo. It's like Ringo was the only one that the other three would ever appear with after Aww. they broke up. It's true. It's true. They yeah. all appeared on his albums. All of them. Yeah. They That's all, cool. They all work together. So I figured let's go out with some Ringo. Yes, uh, Ringo solo stuff. I don't know if you don't it, you want to don't come easy or photograph because photograph's got George on it too. Uh, I do know don't yes, come easy. Yes, photograph then. Yeah, that's I a love jam. George Harrison. Oof. That's a jam. All right, let's go out with that. Bye, people. Bye. I can't.